Visit Arcade Club, Europe's largest classic arcade, with over 200 video and pinball machines. There's classic consoles and computers. There is also PS4s, Xbox Ones, Wii U, PC, and Oculus Rift, and regular tournaments and competitions. All machines are set to free play. Open Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Check out arcadeclub.co.uk for more details. Tenpence Arcade are proud members of the Throwback Network and the Retro Junkies Network. Hello and welcome to the Tenpence Arcade Podcast. My name is Victor Marland, aka Vertvic. And I am Sean Holly. How are you doing, Vic? I'm not too bad, actually. I'm a little bit better than I was. I've been ill for a while, but we had a whole month off to yeah. mess about and get better. My, my sciatica is either going now or the drugs are working. The drugs don't work. They shut up, shut up, Verve. You know nothing. They just make you worse. No, I think if, if you get the right ones, they work. So I'm on these ones that you've got to build up, plus the painkillers. And it's not been too bad. But then again, I had a big lunch earlier with two strong beers and a whiskey. Mm, very nice. Maybe that's got something. And I had a kip earlier, so I'm fresh as a daisy. <laughs> <laughs> and you can hear the planes going by. Sorry, people, I live near Heathrow. <laughs> Deal with it. Daisies are freshest time of year, Vic, are they? Oh, yes, spring, definitely. Isn't it? Right, let's go and do what we normally do and do what we've been up to. <laughs> singing everything, are They we? may be singing today. That's excellent. I love singing. So, uh, go on then. What have you been up to first? Tell me and the listeners. We've been away for a while, so there's quite a few things we've been getting on with. Yeah, well, me and Waff have been exploring the Yorkshire Dales, so I've been up and oh, down lovely. there. Lovely. Been to lovely places like Grassington, and today I've been to Sedba. It's not too so, far from you, that part of Yorkshire, is it? No, it's only like an hour, really. I did a tour. I did a tour with a wife a few years ago now, and we did all around the north, and we went around Yorkshire. New York and Yorkshire is lovely. Driving through there in the morning, early morning, there's no cars about. Absolutely beautiful part of the country. Really nice. Beautiful scenery, lovely cobblestone houses, and not cobblestone houses, cobblestone houses. roads and cottages. No, it's cobblestone people. They're made of stones. Yeah, the are stones. Everyone else is rubbish. Bit of a stony complexion. Yeah, and also I've been to Arcade Club. Guess what I've been doing, Vic? What have you been up to? I've been kind of doing research. I've played through Metal Slug 6 on proper Atomis Wave hardware, because they had that there. Oh, nice. That's, the that's on the is floor that, at the, the moment. That's not the latest. Number 7 is the latest, isn't it? Well, it's the last one in the arcade is Metal Slug ah, 6. So it went on consoles after that. Yeah, and lo- we'll talk about it later, but there's loads of spin-offs and stuff. Oh, goodness, yeah. Loads but it's amazing. Well, we'll talk about it later, but it's amazing mm-hmm. they're still using the same graphics and animations that the first Metal Slug used, like, ten years previously. Shows you how good the graphics are on it. Not wrong with them. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And also, I've been playing. I've got a long acronym for you here. Oh, E-F-T-P-O-T-R-M. Uh, go on. What's that? Can you not guess? Uh, no. It's an Atari game with a really long name. Oh, Escape from the Planet of the Robot Monsters. Yes! I remember, I think, playing this ooh, on a 16-bit computer, probably an Amiga back in the day. And it's a really fun little game with some daft little animations in it. It's another yes. good... It's just, is it a forced perspective, like, 3D thing? It is, and it's got, got a nice, nice-looking graphics and sound, but there, there's mm. a kind of a delay where with you turning. You know, I'm like... Alex's sheriff, when you turn left to right, is a bit of a delay on the guy. Yes. 
and you get used to it. The same with this. There's a slight delay when the guy's turning and moving and firing. I think it'll take a bit of getting used to that. But it does seem like a decent game. Yeah, do you need special controls for that, or is it just a normal joystick and a few buttons game? Normal joystick, three buttons. Duck, okay. duck, jump and fire. So you have to duck and jump and... Excuse me. It uses a Hall Effect joystick, me old china plate. So, what, what do you want to do with ducks? Is it a special duck button when you fire ducks at people? Yeah, there's quite a few ducks. Is that them ones with the orange orange beaks explode? Ooh, beaky, beaky ducks. Mm, some other ducks do other things, possibly. Mm, okay, that's sort of one for the future then. If it's just a normal joystick and buttons type of game, nice yeah, one. Not bad. Nice one. Other games I was playing there yesterday, Cosmo Gang the video on a, on a candy cab. Have you seen that Cosmo Gang game? I can't remember the game, but it's a game. It's one of a series of games. There's Cosmo Gang the video as well, and Cosmo That's Gang the, the Puzzle, I think, is it? I don't know. This is really it's kind of a Gallagher kind of a oh, game. Okay. Cartoony graphics. You just got left, right, fire. Is it from a, a Japanese animation or something? Is that what Cosmo Gang is? It was it was it an anime Mate. or something? Could be. Oh, another one potential for the later on in the podcast. We do a bit of research Very Japanese. Yeah, it's nice. We like that and, kind of thing. And your old favourite, which they've now got a dedicated cab, Bump and Jump. I hate that game. <laughs> it's better if you play No. Dodge and jump. If you don't if you don't bump anything, you yeah, dodge well, you, the I, I totally agree with that. Dodge the machine completely and bump it off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that one very much. It was too it's too much like like Spy Hunter. You sort of get going, hit something. If you're not fast enough, you're dead. Next, next life, and it's I just couldn't get into it. That one, you not get for a fifty thousand bonus if you complete a level without crashing any of the cars. That's so that's right. what I remember now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So you can end up with a hundred thousand on the first two levels, and it's much more enjoyable playing it like that, just dodging. Yeah, mm, not for me. Because like the it. physics when the cars bump you are just it's just off. You just go off yeah. at weird angles and crash into scenery. It's a kind of a nursery type thing, you know, I don't get on with in games. Mm. Yeah, not not for me, that one. Mm. What else? Oh. What else? Apart from touring Yorkshire, I guess what, my Lord's Vale monitor. Oh, this is, is your cab. It's going a bit poorly, isn't it? It's going really dark again. Hey, I've, Sean, I've... Sean, mm. welcome to Arcade Collecting, <laughs> where stuff I've... goes wrong. I've spoke to Julian at Arcade Club, he's going to have a look at it. But then yesterday I put it on. Mm-hmm. I've tried about four boards in it, and they're all the same. Yeah. I left 1942 running for about, I don't know, three hours, and it was absolutely fine, nothing. Really? Yeah, so... It, it could be just like um, a, a solder joint or something. If you get cracks on the solder yeah. joints, they can cause havoc, because, you know, you don't get... You, it's very, very fine crack, but if it's not connecting, that particular part won't be working, so it could mm. produce problems. Might just need a reflow. But someone with a trained eye and a, and a decent magnifying glass and a strong light be able to find that. You can just see a very faint hairline cracker. And all it needs to do is just heat the soldering iron on it, melts the solder again, and Bob's your uncle. Yeah, it's been recapped, hasn't it? So it can't be, can't be much, I don't think. No, there's pretty simple things, monitors. But when they do get a problem that's not easy to find, you know, you can sort of mess around trying to find it. But my kind of fix, I just replace everything. All, all the little bits that are cheap mm. to replace, replace them. And then, if, even if it doesn't fix them on it, you have to probably replace those bits in the future. Just like a, mm. you know, preempting type of thing. Yeah. So, what have you been up to, Vic? It looks like a lot on here. There's quite a few things. Um, well, one of, the reason we had a month off is basically to recuperate from this illness and stuff, and give us a bit of a break because we, we've not really had a, a decent holiday, have we, from it? Mm. And uh, it was nice to have the time off, but I'm 
interested to be back on again. I like talking arcade stuff, and I've been doing quite a bit of arcade stuff as well. So, wife went away to Germany for another synth poppy thing with some friends of hers. Just it was like a load of bands I'd never heard of. So she went on her own just for a night, and sort of stayed yeah. at this sort of all night club thing with music going on until the early hours. And then came back again. So she was back the next day and had a decent kip in the daytime. She was okay. So in that sort of day after I took her to the airport, I had a whole day to myself. So mm. I, I did lots of stuff I was trying to get done before that I never got round to. I can just get on with. So first things was some tinkerings, obviously. So I managed to mount make the monitor mount and get the monitor placed into my Digdo cabaret that I'm making. You know, I'm yeah. doing it for the tech tips. And that actually looks really nice in there, but I'm not sure, because it's a different monitor to the one in the centipede. The monitor in the centipede is a GO7. And it's it's mounted slightly differently because of the frame of the monitor and everything. And this one's got a Hantorax Polo 3 in it, a new, a new Polo 3. So what I might need to do is when I've made the, the cardboard bezel, which, which sits on top of the tube of the monitor to sort of hide the, the ugly bits in the cab, that yeah. when I've made a new one, I don't think that's going to reach. So I need to bring the monitor forward. So I might have to make a bigger hole in the monitor surround, the wooden surround I've made, and just bring it forwards. But the actual surround is really, really beefy because it's obviously holding a monitor in there, up in the air. So it needs to be really mm. strong. So I've used like inch and a half battens on the side of it, real thick battens with like four big screws and bolts for everything. And I, I put the cab on its front and actually placed the monitor from behind because it would have been really difficult on my own to get it in there and get the bolts in, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So that worked out really well. And it's mounted in it. looks really nice with the monitor in. And the next big hurdle after I've got that monitor in the right position which is a fairly trivial thing to do now, is to get the bent-up control panel made. And luckily, right. my son now works for some people in Weymouth who used to do metal bending and, and, poly- and uh, fabrication, so maybe they might help me out there. I want to get two, so I can make another one in the future. But we'll have to see about that. It's not no problem if I can get it made at work. Because my boss already said, oh, we'll get someone to make it for you. He's like, okay, fair enough, thank you very much. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. we've got sort of contacts at work that do metal bending and, and welding and fabrication, that sort of stuff. So we'll probably talk about that later in a tech tip one day. We're doing mm. sort of that thing. Also, I've had some visitors. Mr. Benson Rad, listener number four, came round yes. for his Super Pac-Man monitor, bezel and marquee. Because remember I took that from Arcade Club the last time I was there and brought it back, that huge package. Yes. Who were, Mr. Benson's huge package. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's been in my garage cluttering the flipping place up for months. And the reason why Mr. Benson Rad couldn't come around and get it is because the trains are always knacked. So where he works and where he lives, getting to here and then getting back on time without the trains not working or being on strike would have been a real problem. So every time he says he's going to come around, rail, British, I think Southern Rail has let him down. Boo! Because it's Southern, southern Fail, doesn't he? Southern Fail, yeah, that's what he calls yeah. it. <laughs> but we had biscuits. Oh, so. oh, yes. That was a clink of my cup and a ping. We had double chocolate digestive, which I bought, and I also bought some chocolate omelettes, oh. and he brought chocolate omelettes. We see we had a biscuit cornucopia. Double chocolate digestive. Double cho- Ooh, wife liked them ones as well. They disappeared quite quickly. They were thicker. The actual bake was chocolatey bake, like a digestive chocolate, and then yeah. chocolate on top, rammed with chocolate. That's how I Milk like my chocolate. biscuits. Yes, milky ones. Oh. I didn't get the dark. I was going to get dark chocolate, but I just got the plain chocolate because people tend to like that overall better than the dark chocolate. I like both actually. Mm, I do. I like both. 
What a very young knight, young young man is, young man, very young nice. Man. Yes, so we, we went in the arcade, I showed them all the games, we didn't play any, we just yapped for a bit, mm. as usual. So, proud to have him as listener number four. There's another thing in our notes here about discussing what I did on the 1981 and the 1982 podcast with the RGDS guys, because I did another podcast a little while ago. It's not been released 1982 yet, so what I'm thinking right. we should do is when they've done a few more, we'll do a compilation of their top games and we shall discuss what we think about them as well. Because most of them are arcade stuff. It's mainly the arcade, but there is computer and console and even VFD games we talk about as well. Mm. The VFD games, some of them are really clever. Like the Frogger that Chris Parsons gave me is a really good version of Frogger. It's actually very similar to the game itself on VFDs. It's like it really... The Frogger's based on a grid, isn't it? You're moving up a grid, aren't you? Basically, yeah. You've got lanes, and then you've got rows yeah. you can go in. And this thing has got the same... I think it's the same number of, of roads. You know, you've got the road, and then you've got the bits of the the river you've got across. It's got the same sort of amount as that, and you've got six lanes to move across. So that's really generous for an old VFD game, because normally you had like three lanes in a Space Invaders, or four lanes if you were lucky. So yeah. this one's got six, I think. It's a really good little game. Love it. Mm. I have also fixed the cheapo Atari 7800 I got on eBay. Remember I got that one that had been hacked already, and then they, they, they'd done the hack to it to do an AV mod, failed, yeah. pulled up loads of, of tracks on the PCB of the 7800, and then tried to take it back again, and they just taped up the holes. They made a really, they butchered some holes in the side of it where you used to put the AV and the sound cables. Yeah. And it looked like they'd done it with either a hatchet or a really blunt pair of scissors. Why I use a knife? It was terrible. So I I sorted that all out. I did the AV mod and it still wasn't working. And I worked out that it didn't have five volts to the parts it needed. So all I did is I moved a wire. I put a little, soldered a little wire in from a known five volt spot. Bob's your uncle. Fanny's your aunt again. Bish, working. So I've got two 7800s now. Don't know what to do with the other one. Do you want a 7800? No, thank you. You've You've got room, have you? Well, I, I'm, I think I've said this before. I'm strictly arcade playing at the minute. There's too many games to play, and they're all arcade. But look at this. This is what else I've been buying lately. I'll talk about this in the pickups. But just look at the, how many, if I don't drop them, how many of these I've got now. Can I put that on don't top? drop them, Vic. Whoa. 28 there. <gasps> and look at all these games I'm showing you on the webcam. Oh, Galaga. And Food, what are they all? Xenophobe, Xevious, Choplifter. Matt Mania Challenge Proposition 2. So they're mostly arcade games, aren't they? All. No, all one's not. Hang on, do it again. God. One of them's not. They all are. I'm <laughs> you don't drop them. Choplift is not an arcade game, is it? Yes, it is. Sega. Is it? Sega. Oh. And I've got Ms. Pac-Man as well. That's a oh, big I, fail on my knowledge there. I oh, it really, is an arcade game, yeah? I really like the Atari 7. They've got some really nice is. arcade ports. And they're, they're so much better than the Atari 2600 or the 50. It's a really nice little machine. It's really underrated. And I had one years ago and foolishly sold it. Oof. So I bought myself, and I'm, I'm collecting them, and I've bought some other bits as well. Awesome. And they're getting new releases of homebrew games, and some of the homebrew games are amazing. It's the kind of thing, if they were released back in the day, loads more people would have bought the 7800 because they're really, really good. The version of Scramble is an ace. Awesome, mm. really, really. Cool. A bit late, weren't they? Is that what it was? They were, they were I think released so, yeah. a bit late to market, kind yeah. of thing. The Atari, uh, sorry, the Nintendo NES was out by then, and I think it just tramped all over it, really. But some of the games are better than the NES, I think. 
a lot better. Mm. Commando's a way better version. Is it like similar hardware to the NES? I'm not sure, to be honest with you, mate. I'm not sure what... Um, I've been inside it, but I'm not sure what the um, what the main processor is and all that business. Because the one thing that lets the 7800 down is the sound chip. It uses the same sound chip, the tier chip, as the Atari 2600. Right. Remember Pac-Man on the 2600? <laughs> that awful, awful sound effect. But, but the thing is, some, there was two cartridges released... Ball Blazer and Commando that had a pokey chip in it, which is what Atari used in their Atari, their video games, their arcade video games, for sound and other things it handled as well. But this was just for the sound. And one of the pickups I've got has got a pokey chip on it. So the new homebrew games are using the chip on the hardware. So they're kind of really good sounds now. Because well, Commando is really cool sound. It's really nice. Oh. So that's that with a 7800. I've been fiddling with that and... Actually getting around to fixing things, not just messing with them, actually fixing, which is a nice thing to do. Uh, what else have we done? So the major step was getting that monitor in the in the cab. It's looking like a cab now because it's got a, it's got a face, basically. Yeah. So more, more stuff to do on that in the, in the future. Also, you have been doing a Whitney from the Broken Token that spends all of Brent's money, but with me, haven't you, in the next section? I couldn't mm. resist. Come as this walk. Mm. Let's do arcade news. Okay, arcade news. There's quite a few links this week. No actual news. <laughs> oh, there's a bit of news. There's a bit of news. I found something great on Facebook. It's we were both saw it, didn't we? Mm. It's a a cab from Greece called Nanaki. Is that the way to spell it? I Say it. Sorry, so Nanaki. It looks that way. Yeah. And it looks like you've you've said it looks like similar to an Australian low boy, them really sort of laid back kind of funky cabs. Yeah, absolutely. And we'd both never seen it before. And the guy, I think he's think he's Greece, Greek, and he's put it on one of the forums. Yeah, that looks really nice. You put a picture in show notes. That I'd love that cab. It's nice, isn't it? It's sort of like mm. a, it's like a sort of normal sized cab. It's lower down. I think it's still wooden, and it's got mm. a big screen as well. It's a nice looking thing. I really like it. Yeah. So what is this arcade vintage Petrera Alejante? Alejante. Marto 2017. This is a guy who posts on, I think he posts on UKVAC and Dragon's Lair forums. Yeah. And it's the Spanish arcade, which I've heard of before. Can't remember what it's, I think it's just called arcade vintage. I think we've spoken about going there on, on our yeah. happy travels one day because it looks really cool and I really like going to Spain. I've been to Madrid before and I loved it. Really, really enjoyed that. So many cool games. There's a video we're going to post up for everyone to look at on the links in the show notes. So many cool games in this video. They also have a Maldita Castilla arcade machine, which is... Remember we talked about that guy called Locomolito who does those games on the computer, on the PC? Yeah. Well, this is his arcade version that's actually in an arcade machine with arcade control panel, and, and it's all made It's really cool. And I've got a feeling they may have that this, the game by the same people called... The, Death came from Verminest. <laughs> I really want to play that on an arcade machine. It looks amazing. How much are plane tickets to Spain? Hmm. Over a pound. More than, more than a pound. Oof. Probably. Too, too, mm. too rich for our likes when we're going to... Oof. When we're going too to, rich for my northern coffers. Going to Sweden next month. Uh, April. We are, aren't we? No, it's not April yet. It's in May we're going, aren't we? Yeah. Oh, that'll be a good one. I can't wait for that. I'm looking forward to that one. It. Oh, yes. He's, uh, here is yet another link from Facebook. This is from 
uh, Willie's page who does the Vectrex radio podcast. Okay, you must say he's brilliant, Willie. He's one of my favourite podcasters, you know. Yeah, he's great. Isn't I he? just love his enthusiasm and his silly. You see his silly face when he takes pictures of stuff. He's always like really smiling in front of like an arcade machine or a place where he's bought a load of video games and that. And he's just Willie is brilliant. He is sort of in the same league, I think, as Carrington Vanston, Kevin Savitz, Rob O'Hara. Those decent podcasts. He's done loads of mm. different stuff, and he's in the same kind of league, I think, as them because he's done he's done loads of different podcasts. So better than us, then, basically. Oh God, yeah. That's not difficult, <laughs> is it? Oh, heck yes. Oh, heck. Yeah, anyway, so massive shouts to Willie. This link that he's put onto his Facebook page, it's a link to a photo album of games in a Dubai arcade. Oh, right, posh ones. Are they all made of gold, perhaps? Well, they, they actually, they look really good, but they're all obviously LCD screens. Oh, they've just got new ones and made them look old, have they? They're all exactly the same shape, looking at it. Donkey Kong, Burger Time, Street Fighter 2. Yeah. And they've got a little sort of, I think that's kind of a credit card kind of reader thing on the front of them. Yeah, that's normal nowadays. But the artwork's been redone. Hmm. There's, oh, there's one called The Hustle, that's a poor game. There's Centipede. Yeah. There's Star Wars with a trackball and four buttons. Star Wars with a trackball? Oh, that would work, wouldn't it? It'd be difficult to play, I think, but it'd be, you could mm, play. Yeah, because you can play with a mouse on MAME. It's, it's obviously MAME they're running, isn't it? Some sort of emulation, I would have thought. Yeah, they're really thin caps, so it's obviously LCD. Oh, I, I don't like them thin-looking things. They don't look right to me. Oh, no, no, no. Not it's clever. It is clever how it's done. There's a Tron, which is obviously a remake with a different stick and spinner. Mm-hmm. At least they've bothered to use the proper controls for that. Yeah, and the side art, also the marquees and everything seems sort of. Oh, they've got a super breakup with a joystick. How the hell are you going to play oh, that? That's not good. They've done that one wrong. Oh, Mister Do, that looks nice. No, Mister Don't, I call it. Mister Don't. Mister Don't. Tank Battalion. That's an old one. It is old Namco game. That is. I think there's a lot of sixteen ones in these, isn't there? Then. Oh yeah, that's right. It's on the sixteen one, isn't it? Oh, well, they've got te- Tempest with a spinner. Mm, yeah, it, actually, they all look pristine remakes. I, I wouldn't mind having a look at them. Should we go? Dubai? Yeah. How far's that, Vic? Oh, it's it's further than the M1. I'm sure of that. Oh, I don't know then. I think you go to, like, Brazil and then turn left. Oh, It's got right. to be near there somewhere, isn't it, probably. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's another one, a real good one, this is. Yes. Massive well done's to Danielle Robbins. Uh, for getting the world record on Flicky. Actually recorded it on, on video. But her and John Munkus, our other friend, who works at an arcade, I can't remember which one, he's a really Arcadia good player. Arcadia Retrocade, is it? In... That's it, Arcadia Retrocade. He's, really, yeah. he's, he's their tech there, but he plays games and he's a really good player. And him and Danielle are going to be duking it out head-to-head for the arcade Flicky world record. But at the moment, Daniel Robbins has done it. Well done. It was over 8 million points, wasn't it? That's an amazing score, well, yeah. What have you got, about two million? Three and a half is my highest. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I I stopped playing it, and now when I go back to it, I've forgotten some of the routes through the maps, but I still really enjoy playing it. Yeah, yeah, it's a game I sort of lost interest in, but you got really into it, didn't you? One of your favourite games now. It's fantastic. Nice one. We even asked Danielle or John for some hints, maybe. Mm. Nice one. Nice one, Daniel. Mm, he's a good one. Mm-hmm. Ed Freeze, Ed Fries. I've heard of him before... He, he sort of restores old... game did he make? Was he a programmer? 
I'm not sure. He's on a belt chasing the first arcade Easter egg. This is a link thanks to Andrew Driver for pointing this out. Mm -hmm. And he's found in a game called Starship One the first arcade Easter egg, which is, well, the first Easter egg of any kind. Oh. It was originally thought that the the Atari 2600 game of Adventure was the first Easter egg game. Oh, really? But, But this Starship One was out in 1977, wasn't it? Oh, wow. That is interesting couple of years before mm. so this is an arcade good... game as well is it an old black and white one yeah oh right okay arcade club have got it they've got it but it's not not completely working yet oh that's interesting i like the really old ones i think it was at Eurocade. is it the one with the, all the flashing lights red no, lights around that's the space bezel? encounter that's another game we discussed oh. that on the 1982 podcast with rgds i couldn't remember the name of it later on i remembered right really fun little game really simple but the way they've done it and the way they've presented it, really, really clever. Makes it great. Oh, I'm interested in that. I like, I like the old games, the really old ones, because they've got really nothing going on, but the, the bells and whistles that are added to it make the game. So when you play it in emulation, you haven't got all them bells and whistles and different joysticks and lights and dials and all this sort of stuff that they added. And it's a quite a flat experience. When you actually find a machine that's working, like we did at Eurocade that time, Absolutely mm. amazing things. They're so clever what they did back then. We talked about it a while ago, didn't we? That period yeah. in between electromechanical and video, there was a kind of a, a few crossover games. A bit like of fusion the going on, yeah. Seawolf, I think, had like lights in it and stuff. And I, yeah. I played that when I was in in Texas uh, a year and a bit ago when I was on holiday over December, and I played it in one of the arcades in there, and I'd forgotten how good it was. Because you look through the periscope, and I think the periscope's got lights in it as well. So you, yeah. it sort of confuses and, and makes you think it's going on in the game, but it's it's totally separate to the game. Clever stuff. Clever as hell. Clever as hell. Here's one that you like, Vic. Right. Didn't you? This is what I sort of talked about earlier in the, in the intro. You've been spending my money because you, I saw this link you put on. It says, have you seen these Dig Dug figures? Question mark. <laughs> Innocently. And as you know, I'm a bit of a nut for Dig Dug. There's a company called Funko, F-U-N-K-O, and they make little vinyl toys of different things. They've got all sorts of licenses going on. They, they've done, I think they've done, uh, oh, not Skylanders, it's all these different things. They've got Marvel characters, anything that's basically in pop culture, they'll have done some figures for. There's loads of different things. I think they've done Beauty and the Beast, they've done, I think it's the Frozen, they might have a, a thing with Disney going on, but... Mm they've done some arcade stuff. And it's not just one company as well. They've done things for... Uh, I think they've done Bandai Namco. I think they've done Gottlieb. All sorts of things. Atari as well. All sorts of games. And basically, when you buy one, because I've bought three, obviously. I had to. <laughs> you get a random... It's in the box, sealed in the box. It doesn't say on the outside what it is. And I used to buy these little things. There was a company... There was a, a shop in Soho years ago it's not there anymore where whenever I used to go to Soho and walk past I used to go in and buy one it was these little key rings I used to add them to my key ring and it was little sort of um, little, not Pokemons but better than Pokemons little monsters and mm. they were sort of about an inch high little key ring things they were about three quid it wasn't a lot of money and I used to get a random one so I was always after ones that looked like different characters and there was ones that looked like you know, sort of Ghibli characters and stuff. And I really liked certain ones. And I put them on my bag zips and all that sort of stuff. And it was really nice. Get You didn't know what you were getting in the box. And that's what Funko are doing with these. They're called mystery, Funko mystery boxes. And for me, 
There are three Dig Dug characters. There's actually Dig Dug looking all angry with his pump. There's a Puka looking like a big tomato with some goggles on, obviously. And there's mm. a Figar. And I've been looking for some little characters to put on top of my machine for ages. I've got I've got a um a soft plushy Puka, but I don't think they did Mr. Uh, they did Dig Dug and the Fire Guys. I wanted to get all three together. So I've bought three, hoping my mystery ones will be all the Dig Dug ones, but I doubt very much I'm going to get them. If I get one, I'll be happy. And then I'll just buy some more, because I'm an idiot. The but set. Oh, collect them all. There's only 10, 12, 12, 12. 12 in the set, yeah. But you've got to keep buying them to get all the ones you want, because they're mystery. It's like when you bought Panini stickers for Stick'em albums when you were a kid. You got a sealed oh, thing, yeah. and then you get copies, and you'd swap them with your mates. So everyone... Go to Amazon and buy some Funko so you can swap them with me for the TikTok ones. <laughs> the thing is, I only found this out the other day because you know usually when you order from Amazon it comes like the next day or that night. Yeah. These are going to take 20 to 40 days coming because they're coming from UPS, USPS, America. I thought right. they were actually in the UK. And I was in town today for Mother's Day for wife's mum. We went to have dinner with her. And it was like, we went to Forbidden Planet, the big comic shop in London. We've just passed it. It was close to where we are going to. And we went in, and they've got loads of characters and obviously loads of comics and pop culture things. And they had a, se- a series of video game stuff. So they had, like, you know, Pac-Man mugs and Sonic the Hedgehog uh, wallets and, you know, sort of all stuff like that, and card holders and all sorts of bits. So we did look, and we asked the guy, and said, oh, yeah, we've got a load of Funko stuff there. And he showed me where they were. And there was loads of, I think there was some Marvel character ones. There's some other bits and bobs. There was even a Mega Man one. And there was a load of stuff, but they didn't have the arcade ones. He said, I think we might be getting them in. And he reckons that certain shops get them, like even like Sainsbury's get them, but random shops around the country. So I'm going to look out for those. I've bought three. They're on their way. I just don't know when I'm going to get them. So that'll be a bit of a surprise when they come. Hopefully they're not all the same one. That'd be really annoying. (laughs) Have you seen the centipede one, which is the centipede off the side art? It is ace, isn't it? I'd I'd like to get that one. I would like the three Dig Dug ones. I'd like the Cubert characters. You've got Coily and Cubert, which is really cool because Coily's ace. He's that boss-eyed snake. Watch out for snakes. I did it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and and they're really good. The centipede. They got the Pac-Man. A few Pac-Man ghosts and Pac-Man. Obviously, he gets everywhere. Which ones? What other ones are there? There's yeah, Mega Man, Cubert. Because Mega Man was in the arcade. There was a Mega Man game in the arcade. It was a fighter, wasn't it? Was it a yes. one-on-one fighter? Oh, they're really cool. And there's a froggy with his little red tie and his briefcase. Oh, little frog! That's side art as well, isn't it? Yes, that is so, so cool. I can't wait to get these. I really can't wait. You've got Pac-Man, Red Ghost, Ms. Pac-Man, Pink Ghost, Cuba, Coily, Centipede, Mega Man, Frogger, and the three characters from Digda. How awesome are they? I'm thanking you for finding these and not thanking you for spending my money. <laughs> How much are they, by the way? Ten quid. Ten quid each? Yes. Ooh. <laughs> so but I really, bought three. What an idiot. You've got a... Because you bought three. You've got a one in four... Cha- no, hang on. You haven't got a one in four... Cha- why don't you, why don't you do a spreadsheet? I could do. You could do. <laughs> I could work out some averages for you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. So I will tell everyone when it comes. Mm. Here is something I got on an email, and I thought I'd poo-poo it. So I got an email, I'm not sure who, who it was, they obviously do some research or whatever, about talking about f- a FIFA infographic. Mm. Uh, surely the most boring thing of all times. FIFA, which is ultra-boring, 
And a bloody infographic. Jeez. Moan, 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 balling. The guy who emailed this said it was very wrong. I am not interested. I can't convey how uninterested I am without using naughty swear words. So we'll leave it at that. FIFA games? or Yeah. But mm. basically, you can stick your FIFA games and your infographics up your... <laughs> well, moving on. Move Another on. great article from Spanish site Beep. Exclamation, Exclamation mark. mark. Game Centre. You can find them on Twitter at Outrunner underscore. Okay. And they, they, you've got to translate it from Spanish, mm-hmm. but it's, it's still very readable. And they've, they've found this sort of, I'd say, the beginning. You know these arcade sticks that we all use with MAME and everything if you're playing on a laptop and that? Yes. They've been researching the very first ones, and they go right back to 1985, would you believe? I bet they cost a fortune back then. I, everyone back in those days had either a Wico, a Quick Shot, or an Atari CX40 joystick. That's all we had. Yeah, we never had these posh, you know, with, with decent micro switches and, and arcade buttons and all this stuff. But they look really nice. Those joysticks, I thought they were really well made, lovely looking things. Yeah, released only in Japan, of course. Ah, that's why. And it, and it wasn't really until Hori, yes, you know, that that they started releasing stuff. But they were expensive it, as well then, and they still are nowadays, aren't they? Hori sticks. Yeah, two thousand and six really Ooh. is when they started coming sort of coming of age, and. I think he, this site reckons Super Street Fighter 4 had a massive influence because everyone wanted to play it with a proper arcade stick. As they should. Which was 2008. So we haven't really had these sticks for as long as we think we have, really. They haven't been that popular. I think people were, when, when people got into the arcade and realised you could have arcades at home with super guns and stuff, they were getting into the things then. And the Neo Geo had, the home version, had a really nice stick, remember? It had like a black ah, one with did, four buttons. Yeah. So that's the earliest sort of proper arcade stick I can think of. And when I was a kid, I didn't know anyone who had a Neo Geo because they were super duper expensive, weren't they? Mm. So yeah, and I think those joysticks nowadays go for a hundred quid each. They're, they're still sought right. after now because people use them for for super guns and obviously for Neo Geo AES and all that sort of gear. I play I play them at the Batcave, and they they don't feel as solid no. as you think. Yeah. They're, they're well made, but they're not as chunky and as solid, and as they just don't feel as good as like the Hori stick I've got here. To be well, honest. they were made for the home back then, so mm. yeah, they were they weren't going to get as much grief and as kids hanging on to them, pulling on them and trying to break them as as the arcade would. So obviously, they weren't made quite as tough. Whereas the Hori sticks actually use arcade parts. Some of them they use Sanwa mm. buttons and you know all that sort of stuff. Yeah, nice uh, nice article. They just bung it through Google Translate. That's sort everything out for everyone. Unless you can speak Spanish. Oh yeah, good site that. Check them out, kids. Excellent. And here's one more. Last time we were on about the Museum of Banning, California. The Pinball Museum in Banning, California has open days mm. every so often, and they have a small little back room as well as 750 pinballs. Yeah, just a small, small back room with 350 arcade yeah, cabs. Just a, just a little sort of offshoot. Someone's done a video of it, a 15-minute walk around, which we'll put a link in the no-shows. Mm-hmm. And there's some really great stuff, some super rare stuff there. There's just what I just what I caught my eye. I caught my eye. Ow, my eye. Oh, a Warlords Upright. Oh, great game. Such a great game. A dedicated Frenzy. Not a scram... Uh, not a... Oh, a yeah, you don't see them very often. A Varkon Williams pinball in a cab. Can remember we talked about that? Yeah, that's a super rare game, isn't it? Yeah, Ooh, a, wi- nice. a Williams Mystic Marathon. 
That is a very rare cam. Not very good game, apparently, but very no. rare. Very rare. That's, that's, I remember seeing a little while ago, there was the top 10. Someone put a compilation together, only on their opinion, of the top 10 rare and expensive cabinets. And Varcon was one of them. Mystic Marathon was one of them. And then you get the things like the Blaster sit-down and, you know, that sort of gear, that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah that, there were loads. Mm. Just just picking out a few as an upright versus ice climber. Oh right, okay. With the two two sides to it, like a V shape. Oh, oh yes, yes, the double machine. Yeah. There was a wacko cab. I've with played the, that. With a wonky top, with a wonky marquee. It's built funny, isn't it? It's it's built all on the on the wonk. It's sort of it's angular, like someone's yeah. like knocked it to one side, and it is a really fun game. I played that at Galloping Ghost, and it's quite a rare game. It looks amazing as well. It's a really cool thing. Granny and the Gators. I've played that as well. Our friend, um, me and Alex's friend, Harry, had a Granny and the Gators. I don't think he's still got it, actually. It's quite a rare... It's like Baby Pac-Man. It's got a pinball and a video game. And it's mm. a fun game. It's, it's a weird thing to get into because you've got to sort of row this little boat with a paddle when, you, when you're on the video game button. You've got to press sort of alternating buttons, a bit like the mechanism of use on Crazy Climber, that sort of thing. You sort of get go into to, to row... Not yeah. on it. It's an odd little game, but it's fun when you play it. It's, it's a real silly game. Row, row, row your boat gently oh. down the stream. No, row it like a maniac and avoid the sea crocodiles. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream, Vic. Oh. Wise words, chum. Poem that my mum used to sing me. Mm. Solar Fox, cut the amazing artwork on Solar Fox. It's yes. like a grid shooter thing. Okay, yeah, 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 good. Dedicated Bandido. Oh, Alex will like that one. <laughs> Space Tactics Cockpit. That's what we were talking about before, wasn't it? Is that with, the, one with the hundreds of buttons? And the, the the LED displays, you know, it's one of them crossover games. Yeah, yeah, nice. I think, I think so. Mm. So loads of really old Pong stuff, like from that Canadian company, Volley. That, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, Volley, they were called, weren't they? Mm. A circus with the... Actually, it's not a marquee, it's just above the bezel. The The word circus is like in raised plastic on balloons. Oh, Sierra. awesome. That's nice. Yeah. I like those those 3D marquees, rather like the Pac-Mania one. Yeah. That sort of thing. I love those. And there's all the, the topper that goes on top of... Um, Alien Syndrome. Alien Syndrome, yeah, yeah. That was there. That's really nice. Atari Space Race, the second ever Atari game, and probably the third or fourth ever video game release. Oh, yeah, that's a really old one. Yeah, wow. A Red Baron cockpit. And lots of EM machines, loads of EM machines. You do know I'm going to California in September uh, September, for holiday. Ooh, you've got to catch this place when it's open, well, it's not normally open, to I'm, the public. I'm hoping. I haven't, I haven't worked anything out yet. Uh, wife's doing a big tour for us. We're sort of going all around uh, California and places like San Diego. And I think we're going to one of the national parks, come which one it is. And we're going up to Oregon to go to Portland again. And there's a sloth sanctuary up there. We're going to go to one and hang out with some sloths. Literally <laughs> hang out with sloths. And uh, hopefully we're going to be somewhere near where Paul Nerman lives. He lives near, I think, Orange County. He lives mm-hmm. near one of the... I think he lives near LAX Airport. So hopefully one day I'll meet up with him. And, and I'm not sure how far all these things are because I haven't got a map in front of me. But he's been to the Banning California thing before. And I would love to go there mm. so I'll have to sort of work something out it's loads of time yet it's not until September but yeah if I could go there I'll be a happy victor mm. Mm. very nice very nice yeah it looks a brilliant place 
And I think that could be it for the arcade news, which was really a series of links. But who cares? Yeah, who cares? Good stuff, son. Yeah. Right, let's get on to... Arcade pickups. Right, another Famicom. I had to buy another Famicom because I killed the last one. Oh. This is a Victor fail. I'm going to admit to this one. Hands in the air. Like, I just don't care. Yeah, boy. <laughs> no, it's not. I, I broke the last Famicom. You know I was putting a Famicom into a little a little aluminium case? I, I chopped the Famicom up. Took bits off of it you didn't need, like the power board and the, the port for the gun and stuff. And I had a, it was a tiny little thing, about four inches square. I was working mm. away at it. It was all okay. And then one day, because I was using not an original power supply, I put the wrong power supply into it. Is I converted it to five volts. I'd taken away the, the voltage regulator, because normally you put nine volts into it and it steps it down to five volts. Yeah. I stupidly put nine volts into it and it needed five. So it killed something. When I put it back on again, it had a display on the screen, and the multi-cart I was using, it displayed the game. When you chose a game, it just went all black, and I've not got it revived, so I had to buy another one. I got another one. Thank you to Jake Smith for pointing out another one that was on eBay for me. I got it for like 22 quid. But I so haven't right. had a chance to mod it to AV yet to test it, but I'm sure it works. They're pretty hardy things. So that was a bit daft of me to do that, and I had to get another one. Reverse pickup, Pac-Mania has left the building. Goodbye, Pat Mania. And it is in the hands of R. James RGP, our mate James. So, everyone will be able to play Pat Mania on the, the shows because he takes these, a lot of his games to the shows and hires them out to different shows. And I'm yeah. sure Pat Mania will be a popular one because it's a really cool little game. And it was too big for my arcade. And I thought it would be best going to James. He's going to look after it for me. Mm. And on the other way around, the other swing, he swapped it with me. My Little Phoenix. My Little Phoenix. Scabby and Birdie. <laughs> You've got that back. You've got yes, your Phoenix I back. Have, and I really like it. And I've been playing a lot of it. But at the moment, to my right, is the monitor chassis. Because remember, it was, it's always had, ever since I had it, a bit of a wobbly monitor. The monitor's always got a bit of a wobble, But it's totally playable still. And it, it, it is in essence, and reminds me of a proper arcade machine. It was always a little bit wonky, you know, but it worked mm. fine. And when you play the PCB, there's something, and it's always had it again as well, and James never had time to fix it because it just works and it's fine, is when you play the game, especially when you get the big the big eagles, you know, the big phoenixes that come down, the pink and blue ones, yeah. they've got little bits of graphics missing on them, little sort of dots missing. And it looks, it makes them look even scabbier than normal, these hate beaks. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I think it actually adds to the game. I think James agreed with me at the time. And I've had the monitor out, and I've also had the PCB out to check it, because I've got another PCB to check on it. And I'll probably get, get them fixed before long. But the monitor is a really old Hitachi monitor. And I can't find anywhere that tells me which caps to change for the cap kit. So I actually went through it the other night. I actually got a, a marker pen and some paper and stuff, and wrote down where all the caps are. Because it tells you on the PCB, like, C57, C603. It tells you where they all are. And I put all the values down. So I can, if I can find someone who knows which caps to change, I can just change those caps and go and buy the caps. Because they're not expensive yeah. to buy. They're, they're less than a pound each, a lot of them. Right. I'm not sure which ones to change at the moment. And also, I was thinking, when I put it back in, there was a, there was a wire very near the chassis that goes to the speakers. And sometimes that causes... A problem with you know wobble and and I'm thinking it might just be that flipping cable you know that was very close to the chassis. So if I move the cable out of the way, it might solve it. Hopefully, could be. 
And also, Mr. Phil Murray has created a Phoenix high score kit. And on the Ooh. high score kit, which he combines the game onto one one ROM chip, he's fixed the two hundred thousand point bug in it as well Fe- as putting a feature. high a feature. Yeah, it's a bug, isn't it? Because <laughs> sometimes when you shoot some of the the, the birds on the left hand side of the screen, I think if you get three flying at the same time, is that it? You get a know. random two hundred thousand points bonus for it, and it, you score. And I've actually done it on a proper machine on that machine before. I was playing it one day. And I looked at the screen. And went, How the hell did I get two hundred thousand points? But yeah. Phoenix is a definite game we got to play, and it might be my next pick. You know. Ooh, I I, I do like it. Yeah, I love me a bit of Phoenix. Ooh. We'll have to have to sort of disallow the two hundred thousand bug, won't we? Yes. So it's it's difficult to get it unless you know how to do it, and it's very odd you will do it randomly. But I think if you take off, if you get it by accident. And just take off, I think it's like 203,000 it gives you. I can find out. Mm. We can do that. But yeah, definitely one for the future. Because Phoenix is an amazing game. Oh, I just thought of one thing you forgot in the news. What? No quarter of release to the podcast again over the weekend. They haven't. I've listened to it. It's very I good. Mean, I haven't yet, so don't. no spoilers. But mm. it's ghouls and ghosts, isn't it? Yeah. It's mm. so nice to hear Mike and Jeff back again. So well done, guys. Keep it up, please. Keep doing some regular podcasts. That'd be awesome. Because they're one of my favourite podcasts. Easy. Yeah. Well done, lads. So, on to more pickups. Back to the pickups. So, basically, my favourite one so far is the Phoenix. Mm. Uh, Atari 7800 arcade port carts. Because it is a bit of arcade. I've got Pole Position 2, Map Mania, which is the wrestling game, Xevious. I got a Xevious, right? Because someone sent one to me, which we'll talk about in the shout-outs, and Xevious didn't work. Because I had some some pins on the cartridge actually missing. They've been broken off somehow, so it didn't work. But I got a Xevious, and remember with these cartridges, I wasn't collecting the boxes. I don't care about boxes and mint and sealed and all that sort of nonsense. I just want the carts to play. Yeah. I found a Xevious mint in box with everything, two pound. Two pounds? Two quid and about 50p postage, I think it was. It wasn't a lot of money. It was like less than four pound delivered. How ridiculous wow. is that? So... I've got a really nice box for it. And if I ever find any more 1700 carts with boxes, I might upgrade them to boxed copies, but I'm not worried about boxes. I'm not that anal with the, with, the, with the collecting. So I've got quite a few more games now. And the other thing I've got, which is awesome, is for the 1700, I bought a Mateus multi-cart. Look at that. Look at that thing. Uh, that's what you're on about with oh. the Pie Factory guys. Yeah, we, we talked to the Pie Factory guys on a little sort of um, group messenger don't we we talked we talked yeah. quite a bit and they're big 700 fans and so am i now and this mateus cart is done by a guy in spain uh i think his name's juan and his last name is mateus so mr mateus excellent work there you buy the cartridge and it, it's got um, a little dial on it with 16 points you can turn to it different so you can you can put 16 games on it and right. there is a switch so you can put the bigger games on and when you put the bigger games on you can only put eight games on it because it sort of halves the, the memory of it but that bit on the bottom that black bit as you so call them yeah that is a pokey chip i bought that separately and you can just plug a pokey chip into it when you plug a pokey chip into it any homebrew game or commander or ball blazer you put on this cart if it's got support for pokey music it'll play pokey music with it that's good. And you also have to buy a little extra here, which is this bit. This is the burner cart. 
and you plop yeah. it on top and you plug it into USB and you just transfer your ROMs over. But the burner cart works on all of his multi-games. He's, he's done a Vectrex one. He's done a Odyssey 2 one, I think, and, and various other games. He's done about six, I think. And this burner cart works with all of them. So you buy the burner cart once and then you buy the extra carts and you've got everything to, to do all the transfers. And it is an amazing bit of kit. It is really, really cool. I've put a bunch of games on there already. All all arcade ports, obviously. I saw the list, yeah. Do you know the I... name of my favourite game? Go on. Beef Drop. But is that a homebrew thing? Yeah, it's a homebrew version of, of Burger Time. And it is arcade perfect. It's so good. It's really, Beef really Drop. Good. Beef Drop. That's you could great. use that in anything, couldn't you? <laughs> I'm just <laughs> I'm just at my dinner. I'm just going to have a Beef Drop. <laughs> I'm just going to the outhouse to have some beef drop. I was feeling a bit left out of your conversation because I didn't know who Mateus was and who his cart was. Well, I've just offered you a 7800, son. So I started singing, didn't I? You did, yeah. And I you put some started... 70s song lyrics on. Yeah, we, we all thought you'd had a breakdown. I'd had a drink, actually, when I'd done that. I thought you might have done. Yeah. Nice if one. you happen to see the most beautiful girl in the world, and if you did, what's crazy? <sighs> I've not had a drink now, but it still sounds terrible. <laughs> yes, it does. Mm. So, yeah, um, if you want an Atari 700, mate, I've got one for you. It's got asteroids built into it. I, honestly, I wouldn't play it. I'm just, I'll tell you what uh, you can do, then. On your Raspberry yeah. Pi... Yes? You can emulate it really well. I've only got a Raspberry Pi one now. I gave the two. I gave the two away. It will still work nicely on there. You don't need much of. <laughs> you, know, you don't need much to work that, mate. None at all. Mm. Talking about Raspberry Pis, we're going off topic again, but the listeners don't mind. Do, do you mind, listeners? Listeners, do you mind us going off topic? Get on with it. Okay. Just to go back, forward, back, forward through our little segments, I've also been playing with Raspberry Pis again. Mm. Yeah, I've got I've got five pies now. I'm five pie Victor. They call me. I love me pies. <laughs> I've got a Raspberry Pi Zero, the old one point two version. They did one point three as well. I've got a Raspberry Pi Zero W, which has got the built-in wireless, and it's also a more powerful processor. I've got two of the old, the first ones, maybe an A and a B. I don't know what the difference is. And I've yeah. got a Raspberry Pi Three, the most powerful one, which has got my 128 gig card in it full of emulation stuff. It mm. emulates Dreamcast, N64, PlayStation, loads of uh, arcade stuff, all the emulators you can think of, all the different consoles you can think of. If you ever need, if you ever get a, a Raspberry Pi 3, I'll do a version and get a 128 gig card. I'll, I'll clone the card. And it's got more emulation you could wave a dirty stick at. Mine as well. Uh, I'm not sure. It's got it's got Final Burn Alpha, which plays a lot of the CPS One games and a lot of different arcade games. I'm not sure it's it's worked on main, but it's really good. Mm. And the emulation is bang on, mate. It's really really good. Excellent. But what I've been doing is I have I was given from the lovely Chris CMP a Frogger VFD game, which actually works perfectly well. So I'm not going to hurt the VFD game at all. I'm going to put it to one side, the insides of it. What I'm going to try and do is I've bought a little 3.2-inch screen for my Pi, and it works on all the Pis. You've just got to put the right software into it to the drivers to make it work. And I want to get main running, just main, on a little Pi with a minimum install and play actual Frogger on the Frogger VFD game. Because it's got a little joystick on it. It's going to be so cool. I've actually sort of done a mock-up picture of what it's going to look like. I sort of put my mobile phone underneath it when I had the top off 
with Frogger on and took a picture of it. And it looks really, really cool. Because it's got like a smoked glass plastic on the top of it, which sort of hides the VFD. And it looks really cool. And I've been playing with with Linux. And I don't know anything about Linux. And in the shout-outs, someone's going to get a massive shout-out for helping me. I've actually got MAME onto the Pi now. And it works on all my Pis. Just put the different image, the different SD card in, in the Pis. And it works on all of them. So it's very, yeah. very minimal. Um, and I've got Frogger working on main, on the keyboard. I need to work out, on, on the Pi, it's got these things called GPIO pins, and it, they correspond, they can correspond to different things, and you can correspond them to keyboard movements. So what you yep. do is you get a, a wire from one of the pins to a, an arcade button or a joystick or whatever, and then the other one to ground. And when you ground those pins, when you move the joystick, it emulates key presses like an iPad would on, on a main setup. So yeah. that's the next step, and also to get sound out of the Pi Zero, because the Pi Zero hasn't really got native sound. You've got to build a little amplifier for it to do, but it's very simple to do, apparently, and then use the GPIO pins again to output stuff. Those Pis are so good. They're such mm. amazing little computers, and people have done so many things with them, and they've been stuffing them into Game Boy cases and making little emulator boxes and all sorts. They're really, really cool. They're so small and versatile. So I've been doing that. Shall we get back onto the pickups? You've got loads. I've got a few more. A few more. You've got a few as well, so shut up, you. So yeah. that was... Oh, I've got Joust coming through the post as well. I haven't got it yet, but Joust's on the way for the Atari 700 as well. And that's a really good little version. I've got that on my Mateus cart. So once I've got the cart of it, I can take it off my Mateus cart and use that slot for another game. Yay! <laughs> so the next thing I've got was... I got some different games off Chris CMP when we went to the meet that time. It gave me a grandstand. Which one is it again? It's the Astro Wars. Gave me an yes. Astro Wars. I've already got one of those. So, if I can successfully do the Frogger, I might do the Astro Wars with Galaxian in it because it's got left, right, and a fire button. How cool would that be? Having a, a little tiny arcade in a machine like that. It's gonna be so that would cool. be good. I'm that sure people have done it already. Invaders from Space VFD game. Got that as well. That's the one I had as a kid. The white one that you had as well. I did have that. Uh, which other ones was there? Oh, and the Grandson Munchman, the Round Munchman. Oh, I had that as where, well. Where poor old Pac-Man could only eat to the left. If you went to the right over a pill, he wouldn't eat. He had to go back over it to the left. It was a really weird way of doing things. But as a kid, I loved it. And it's still very playable to this day. I had to fix that one because it had something wrong with it. I think just some pins needed to resolder, and it works fine. Those things are bulletproof. They don't really break down. If something breaks down, it's like a 10p components gone in it it is good they they were great them things they really are they really are yeah that's me and I believe you've got some I've only got a flipping USB trackball box by yours truly sir thank you that's no problem it was a bit rough but hopefully it's functional it does work I've tried centipede on it and i've also tried a spinner game uh arkanoid tried arkanoid on it as well and they both were lovely yes spinner games like the bat and ball games work really well the trackball don't they they do actually yeah did you did you have to adjust the the settings in mame a little bit for it to make yeah, it a bit smoother yeah i've made them a bit faster yeah because we haven't done any trackball games we have not reviewed any trackball games yet but as the listeners know i own a centipede machine and you own a trackball now. So we could do Centipede, mm. and the listeners could play with a mouse, because it's very playable with a mouse. Yeah, but they won't be getting as good scores as us. 
That's one, way of, that's one way of winning, isn't it? Charlie Farr can go to Arcade Club and smash us. Somebody's beat his score at Arcade Club, I <gasps> noticed. Really? That's He's over 200,000, wasn't it? 220-something, and Oof. somebody else has got 230-something. I don't know who it is. Oh, he'll be hunting them down. He'll beat that. Oh, you know, yes. You know what he's like. Anything else? I've actually picked up a little Android game. That 1942, someone, I can't remember who said, but give me a shout-out. 1942 came out, Android oh. version. Oh, yeah, on so the phones. I, I downloaded it. It's only like a pound or something. The emulation's oh. fine. The sound's fine. <laughs> The controls is you put your finger on the screen to move the guy around. Is it auto fire? It's auto fire. You turn auto fire off and it still comes on. You can't oh. turn the I think there's a few bugs. You can't turn the sound off. So I like to listen to a podcast at dinner and play a game with the sound off, you know. Mm, yeah, yeah. At work. It's alright. It's because the auto fires on, it fires quick three quick shots because there's only three shots on 1942. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. You have to wait until the shots have gone off the screen and you fire again. It's okay. It's it's that thing with the, the controls, isn't it? It's yeah. I just can't be getting on with it. There's one or two games that are okay with it, but it's got to be a joystick for me. Yeah, it's it was nice just to see it. It's yeah, you got bit, it. It's not a lot of money. More, nice. more publicity. Nice one. Mm-hmm. Oh, and also. And also, what I got and including what? From my lovely wife. What? Guess what that is? It's a back scratcher. It's an arcade back scratcher. I have a very itchy back. Do you know uh, what that reminds me of? What? I've been selling butt scratchers. Butt scratcher? Now, Peter. Butt scratcher. Peter, now. Butt scratcher? Now. Wife says, in a previous life, I was a bear because I'm always rubbing me back against door frames. <laughs> okay. I'm going to edit out all that noise you just made with your back scratcher. Oh, okay. It's a really eerie blue hand. I know, it's nice, isn't it? You, whenever I stay around your house, when I come up, you're not going to come in the night and just attack me with that, are you? It's just a <laughs> little blue alien hand over my face. I'd freak <laughs> out. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> and that's my pickups. Fool. I think that Clarence Weasley, Fotherington, Smythe, and Pennygrin, Wimsing, Simpington should give some people a bash in. Arcade Victorian Insults. That mumbling cove, Smarty Martin, forgot to bring my arcade paraphernalia to the robust of occasion at Master Chris Parsons' excellent get-together. He did what, the bounder? I hope you gave a tongue-lashing old fellow. Sounds like a total hornswoggler to me. Outrageous. Also, Benson Rad, the fourth fellow follower of the Tenpence Arcade publication, has been a bit of a loiter sack by leaving his huge package in my vestibule for months on end. Only came and collected it the other morrow. Harumph! That chap is a whiffle waffle. He was taking you for a saddle goose, I tell thee. Listener feedback. So we've had a few more people entering our competition, which is for uh, a family ticket for two adults and two kids to the rather excellent Revival Retro Gaming event we're going to at the end of May, I believe. Mm. So get your name. all you have to do is just enter your name. Just get onto us via social medias, emails, carrier pigeons, B52s, whatever you like. Just tell us your name. Say, I want the ticket, please. We'll put your name into the arcade hat. Whoever wins it, and we, we'll do it next week, next next time. Yeah, we'll do it we'll, next we'll time it now. Next time. Yeah. We've got a few people in there. So Paul Andrews. Andrew Hannay and Zipper have put their names forward. Yes. 
So they're in the hat. Help, help, we're in a big hat. Help. Uh, can't get out. Right then, let's do some feedback, shall we? Yes. Got Swiss Tony here talking about Solomon's Key podcast. Another great podcast is put for anyone waiting for the new one to be uploaded. You can listen to Victor, who's a guest on the latest episode of RGDS. Yes, we know. And it's called What is the Best Game of 1981? It's just letting people know that. Mm, absolutely. We've done the 1982 one, but they haven't released it yet. I'm not sure when it's coming out. Hopefully soon. That was good fun. It was three hours that one we did. So, Mr. Pensonrad. Oh, poor lad. Got a tongue lashing. Another great podcast, chaps. Not too keen on a month's wait till the next one, though. How dare you have a break? Ho, ho. That flu has certainly done the rounds recently. It hit here in my work last week, took me out for several days. And much like you, Victor, I rarely ever take time off sick, but had to have two days pretty much lying in bed. I love Victorian insults. I'm not sure if you like them so much now. Such crazy <laughs> words they used back then. I'm sure if I don't collect my parcel off you soon, it'll be a, I'll be onto a Victorian tongue lashing myself from you. Hmm... Hehe, <laughs> cardboard bezels coming soon on a cab build section. I like the sound of that. I've got to do that soon. As I need one for my Euro Millipede, and I believe they're similar shape. Uh, Metal Slug X as the next game. That sounds a good one to me, and I might have a crack at that. Mm. Mr. Tagster, great podcast as always, guys. Saints Hollow is a good game that I've never played before. I, que- I feel quite privileged to get this month's Victorian insult. <laughs> Hungar, a month, a month. Enjoy the break, chaps. And we did. Yes. Pete Hahn, on the beach with his wife, was li- uh, listening to us. He also mentions that Satan's Hollow features in the arcade film Joysticks. I've Ooh. yet to watch that. Shall we download that and watch that before next time and do a bit of a review on it? I it's tried watching really it. It's really cheesy and stupid. It's terrible. But it's got loads of cool arcade. Let's do a review on it, just about the arcade games, not the actual acting. Yeah, that's yeah, possible. <laughs> so, The Grease. Thank you. Another entertaining podcast. I'm yet another one who's getting over the flu. Man, I don't think I've ever had such a bad dose. Maybe it's me, age? I listened to the podcast yesterday, and today I'm definitely feeling a bit better. Coincidence? I think not. The Tenpence Arcade podcast has cured me. Hallelujah. Oh, and I'll be submitting a score and taking part in future challenges. Thank you. For Metal Slug X, my head's still a bit woolly from the man flu, but I'm going for it nonetheless. Keep on keeping on. Hmm. Mr. John Monkus said he meant to submit his friend's personal best on Satan's Hollow on the from the cabinet at Arcadia Retrocade. Yeah. Shout out to Henry Holder, who's the master of Satan and his minions. Hundred and eighty nine thousand he got. That's a good Ooh, score. That is a damn good score. Well done. Yeah, John has Satan's Hollow along with Tron and Journey all together at the arcade. Oh, but they look nice together. Paul Nermanen, also known as Nermix. Another great episode, guys. Satan's Hollow is a unique game. Bizarre premise and difficult but satisfying gameplay. I played it as a kid. And it definitely had a lot of mysterious evil about it. Evil. 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 As you know, I own a beautiful example of it in my garage arcade. Unfortunately, it's having sound issues at the moment. That Bally MRC hardware is almost as fussy and problematic as the Williams stuff. Anyway, well done, Charlie Farr. I managed second, 390,215. Just watch your playthrough video. Have you ever played on a real cab with a flight stick trigger? I think you do even better that way. Have you played the original? No. I haven't either. No. He goes on to say, oh, about the cab. Yes, the flight stick is translucent red, and it's lit up by the black light between the control panel and the bezel. Mine had a black stick when I got it, supposedly from Gorf, but I found an aftermarket red one and swapped it out. The sound is awesome on the cab, deep and loud. Mame sounds sounds like garbage in comparison. It's another one of those games you've got to play on the cab, I think. Yeah, always better, aren't they? Mm-hmm. 
Alex Chucky Egg, great listen today, my arcade love bug. Just been playing Metal Slug myself, such a great game. First time ever completed the game, and it took me 52 credits. Well done, Alex. That's what it was for. Yeah. Whitney Roberts from the Broken Token Podcast. I love this game. Bumping this to the top of my listen queue, and it's, that's talking about Satan's Hollow. Mm. Ben Ridsdale's put, shouldn't Sean be Satan? He's got a thing, he thinks I'm evil. No. He thinks, thinks I'm Satan, something to do with the... the Beard, I don't know. If you, I tell you what, if you painted your face red, yeah, and put some black horns on, and painted your, your eyebrows and your beard black, you would mm. be cut a good candidate for Satan. Oh, I might mm. try that. Halloween, that'd be hilarious. Chris Burgess, <laughs> just wanted to say thanks for doing the podcast. I love the humour, knowledge, <laughs> tech aspects, and history of all the games you cover. You've replaced RGDS as my favourite... Oh, no! It's his favourite podcast. Still Get listen in. to RGDS. In your face, RGDS. Yeah, yeah, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, Godoy and, and your posse. In your face! Yay! <laughs> as my favourite podcast. I'll get to the point. My wife caved in and told me we have space and funds for a cab, but not a cocktail. I have a budget of about £1,200, and when I get to Arcade Club, I mainly find myself playing Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, Scramble, and 1942. Would you blow the whole budget on a brand new cab with a 60 in one? Or buy a second-hand classic and start collecting PCBs, or go with a main cab? I'm okay with basic electronics and wiring, and worry that when I play a main cab, I'll be stood there thinking, hmm, this is emulation. I know you're busy, so thanks for reading this. Well, that's opened up a little can of worms, isn't it, Chris Burgess? Worms. Cam. Worms everywhere in this can. I was expecting beans. So, well, what you did, Sean, is you bought a cab for about, yeah. was it about £300? Good deal? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Good yeah. deal, good deal. £300, hi, Lala. <laughs> I just went into a Brucey then. Oh, God. So, you can get a decent cabinet for less than £500, can't you? Yeah. A cabaret style, uh, which is a sort of three-quarter height, one a full upright, whatever you like. And then you can buy games for it. And the Galloping Ghost Arcade also covered this on their podcast recently about collecting games. And it's not expensive anymore, not really expensive, to buy a proper arcade cabinet that you'd find in arcades, chip shops, cafes, pizza areas, all that when you were a kid. It might be a bit rough and ready. You might need to you know, do some woodwork on it to fix it up, whatever. Or you can buy a really nice one for a bit more money. And you can actually leave the arcade hardware in there. The screen, obviously, a nice CRT screen, the controls and the... the the power supplies and everything. And you can get devices like iPacks and JPacks to plug PCs into. So you can use the emulation. And if you do find, Chris, that you're getting a bit miffed with the emulation, it's not quite right, and it's not authentic enough for you, pull the PC out, put PCBs in. Start collecting PCBs off the UK VAC forums or eBay or whatever, and you've got them there as well. And you can also play the older games just by making simple adapters. And you say there you're okay with electronics, Making an adapter for a jammer game or a non-jammer game is trivial. It's really easy. So I think what you should do is find yourself a cabinet you like the look of that you can also take the screen out of and rotate it. That's important. You can do vertical to horizontal. And get yourself some jammer boards or get a, a, a computer with MAME on it and a JPack. They're not expensive to buy and set up. And just see how you go. But £1,200. If you've got £1,200 total, you can get yourself a really nice setup. So a nice PC to go in it, and a few jammer boards. So that's my recommendation. But make sure you can take the screen out so you can play vertical games and horizontal games in it. It's just a simple, take the glass off the front, pull the monitor out 90 degrees, back in, put the glass back in, off you go. 
Hmm. It'd be worth doing that. That's what you did, didn't it? Yep. And and you and your own terms would say you're not a technical person. You have no trouble putting a, a PCB in and out and swapping your monitor around, do you? No, I've not put a main cabin, a main setup in yet, but I think I might do. Yeah, it's a simple thing to do. I think you're sort of waiting for a, a candy cab before you do all that, aren't you? Uh, probably yes, yes. Yes, but I mean, it's not yes. difficult. I mean, a total beginner can do all this. It's, it's really just have a go. If you're a total beginner, don't be scared of it. Have a go. Just, mm. just be careful with the electrics. That's all. You know, it, it's it's more common sense than anything else. I think. Yep. So that is my answer. Mm, very nice. Had some feedback from Richard Broadhurst, our resident BBC game dev. Oh yes. And he sent you a YouTube video, the Four Quarters. Yeah. Called Asteroids with Lasers. Oh yeah. Yes. Show, showcasing your old asteroids. My old asteroids. I was quite pleased to see some TV people talking about my old game, which is really cool. And go and play it down at the uh, Four Quarters Peckham. Mm. Play the actual machine. I've had my fingers in and on. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Uh, there's another one here from James Tinmouth. Nice, cheeky, unexpected bonus podcast. Thank you both. No problem. That's Tin, brother of bronze. It is. It is. Alan Woodhouse, he's put sent us a PM. Hi, I've just started listening to your podcast and enjoying them very much. Just a quick question. I'm going to Florida at the end of August, and I think it was Victor mentioned a place called Fun Spot. So I was wondering if you could give me any info on retro video games in Florida and what is Fun Spot? Which one is best? Uh, which arcade i think would uh, and he would like to get involved in the community but he's got two kiddies under four so not much spare time i'm planning to go to play expo in october well alan thank you for your message um fun spot is a spot that is fun it is hope that helped right what is i think he's a little confused about where things are florida is miles away from fun spot fun spot is in laconia in new hampshire which is north of florida very north of florida but there are some good arcades in Florida. I'm not sure of the names. Just Google Arcades Florida, and there are some good ones there. And I think they're all really family-orientating. Take your little kids along with you and play some games with them. It'd be great. And we'd nice to see you in October. Come and say hello to us when you see us. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, I'm sure you'll find some decent games. In America, you fall over arcade machines. You walk past a shop and you see them in there. You know, Regularly, you walk past a pizza place and have a Ms. Pac-Man or a Gallagher or something playing in there or some pinballs. That's good. Museum of Gaming is put. Thanks to Sean Holly from Ten Pence Arcade for a mention on their recent podcast. Have a listen at Ten Pence Arcade. Glad you had fun. This is when I went to that Museum of Gaming at Preston last time. Mm-hmm. Nice one. Thank you for that. Uh, one from Barry Pattenden. Hi Vic. Is there an address I can send you or the bearded one a small item of thanks for the work on the podcast? Thanks for the great pod, Barry. Ooh, we're getting some stuff. I haven't had it yet. That'd be fun. I that did. Zipper. Ah, zipper. I supplied him with my my address. I haven't had anything yet, so that'd be interesting coming through. Ooh. Got one from Cine Steve. Great pod as usual, guys. My only criticism would be waiting till the very end to say you're having a month off. Oh, I would have made it last longer if I'd known. Ha ha. Gutted I forgot to post a score too. I haven't had time for Metal Slug X. Had such a busy month. I might be able to get a couple of games in later and submit a score. I did, however, tell my mate Zach. We will find out about Zach's score later on. Yeah. 
and it was that it was this episode's game and I don't think he's got off it yet. He's given me a score to submit and it's a pretty good score. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a listener. Well, he says, oh, we don't think he's a listener. Should we disallow Zach's score? Oh, what's about that? No, everyone's <laughs> welcome. As for feedback, I absolutely love the music quizzes section and hope you're feeling better, Vic. Thank you very much, Steve. I am a bit better. Thank you. Mm. Uh, there's another one here. I'm not too sure about this one, so forgive me if I'm wrong. Uh, someone called Ovi commenting on an old post on the website. It popped up the other day in my, in my email because I have to regulate what, what's said on, on, the, on the thing, on the comments. And it says, it could be a clever robot, an email robot thingy, or someone whose first language isn't English. I don't know. Uh, so thanks for the feedback anyway, if you're a robot or a human. And it says, <laughs> hello, arcade games are a big fun, I must say. I miss old school arcade games a lot. They are simple but very addictive. Regards, Ovi. So uh, thank you, Ovi. If if you are a real person, tell us where you're from and tell us what games you like. Mm. And that's about it for the the feeding of our backs. Yes. That sounds wrong. I've got a back scratcher. Feeding of the back scratcher. The evil blue hand. Butt scratcher. We'll need to do a video once so people can see us mucking around. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or not. I'm looking at you with your little hand and it just looks really odd. <laughs> we need a picture of you with your hand just on your with face tiny hand. just scratching your chin or something tiny withered hand well let's shout out a few people but not in a Victorian insulting kind of way shout out thank you very much to Gary James Harris for the 7800 games he gave me just let me move that out of the way and give him a solid ping yes thank you Gary also Stuart Tracy and his team at Time Warp Arcade again for looking after us, showing us all around and feeding us copious amounts of biscuits. Resonant ping. People are getting pings today. I'm ping happy. Also, Chris <laughs> CMP, Chris Parsons, and his lad Luis for hosting a great day at his place. I did have to keep an eye out for serpents, though. Watch out for snakes. Thanks again, Pie Factory, for using letting us use that sample and putting up with me stealing it a lot. Uh, more <laughs> shouts. This is additional. To Chris for donating something, yes, uh, Saturday, to a secret projecty thing I'm doing. It's a secret. Shut up. And also an Entex Defender, which I forgot about, which is bizarrely cool. It's a flat Defender game, and it's got the layout from Descent Defenders. You've got up and down, thrust, reverse, hyperspace, and smart bomb and fire on buttons. And it plays just like Defender. It's really weird. I'll show you it next time I see you. Really cool VFD game. He's got loads of them. Really nice. Wow. That's good. Anyway, I'm going to give a shout out to, well, a congratulations, actually, to Lewis Batcave and his girlfriend, Lisa, on the birth of their baby son, also called Lewis. Lewis II. Lewis Lewis II. Lewis II. Lewis Batcave II. I think he's... I think one of his middle names is actually Batcave. Oh. If not, can you change it, Lewis? It'd be great, that yeah, one. Yeah, Lewis the Return. Lewis. So congrats to Lewis and Lisa. Well done, kids. Yeah, well, well done, done kids. For that. I didn't know they were yeah. pregnant, so nice one. Good. Only Lisa was pregnant. Mm, they say both, don't they? Yeah. He was helping, yeah. I'm sure. And the Retro Domination... Yeah, they gave me shout-outs on their podcast, and they also got to try some UK biscuits. We're going to have to send them some nice biscuits. I sent them all the... Yeah, you sent them the rubbish ones, didn't you? <laughs> I sent them all the English greats. Real dry. <laughs> Mate, these biscuits are very dry. I had to have some coffee with them. <laughs> I'm sure they did. 
Sean and Jimmy G of Pie Factory Podcast, our good friends. We've had a great chat with them over the last couple of weeks on, what is it, Facebook Messenger. Yeah, yeah. just for being, being great, and my 7800 buddies. Because mm. Sean also does the 7800 Homebrew Podcast. Have you listened to that yet? I haven't. Have a listen. It's great. It's just him on his own, and he does, he does a great job. I, I find it difficult sometimes with podcasts which just got one guy. But mm. some of them do it really well. Ferg does it really well. Robohara does it really well. And uh, Sean does it really well. So I'm happy with that. It's brilliant. And it's it's teaching me about homebrews. And I'm going to start buying them soon as well. Because they're only like $30 from Atari Age. And you usually get like a nice box and a cartridge and stuff. So it's going to cost me. You in your collecting? Well, a little bit. A little bit of collecting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So we'll just give them another... On my finger-mounted pinger. Look at that. Oh, that's good. Yee. Uh, another one for me to Mr. Mateos. I think his name's Juan of Vectrex.hackamesh.org for all the awesome work making the Atari 7800 Mateos car. It's an excellent piece of kit. If you've got a Vectrex or uh, Odyssey 2 or an Atari 7800, he does a few more I can't think of at the moment. Get onto Vectrex.hackamesh.org and buy some stuff of him because he does some really cool kit. It's ace stuff. Really nice. Mm. Oh, last one for me. This is a late one. This is Rick. This is Rich, who's called Chunksin. I think his, his Twitter handle's Chunksin Space. I can't remember now. Uh, for massive help yesterday, he sat on on Twitter Messenger with me and talked me through all the Linux stuff I was talking about earlier on my pie. Yep. He's a That's Linux good. expert. This guy. He doesn't actually work with it. He's just a really real good nerd on it. And he helped me get main running on that. I would not have been able to do it without him. Also, thanks to Darren Hatton for emailing me a load of information about it, because he's also a Linux expert. Uh, and I'm really happy with the results so far. I've got a few more things to do, but I'm actually enjoying Linux now with the main pies, with the pies, because I hated it at first, because I didn't know anything about it. And now I'm actually getting to do stuff with the command line. I'm enjoying it a bit more. So thank you very much for that, Rich. Awesome. Long so many pings. Extended so, ping for that man. So little airwaves. Oh, one more thing. I saw Alex the other day. I helped him. He bought himself a nice Goliath cab. Yeah. It's close to me as well. I think it was in Brentford. He got some bits from Brentford. And Ol got himself an interesting cab as well. I'm not sure I'm allowed to talk about that, but it's a very interesting cab. Uh, but Alex got a Goliath and it's in his, ca- in his van, so I had to help him go and lift it up because they're quite heavy cabs. And I found it was an early Goliath, one where they stuck the artwork on the side rather than painting it on. And it, did, right. it doesn't have a, a removable shelf. When you put the control panel down of most Goliaths, you pull the shelf out in front of you, and the yeah. PCB suddenly it was an older version. But it was a really nice game. And we took the glass off to, to look at the monitor, and guess what burn it had a really bad burn on it? 942. Star Force. You know the Star logo? Force. The slow yeah. logo, the sort of j- jagged logo. That's like, well, I said to him, what game do you recommend in there, Alex? You should laugh. It was obvious what it was. So, yeah, nice little cab. He's got a nice little setup in there. I think he's having a little meeting in April as well. So, if you oh, fancy nice. coming down, you can stay with me again. Awesome. See you up to in April. So, that's nice. And he also gave me a Atari 2600 because my junior broke down. See, he thought he had a 7800. I'll have another 7800. I'll fix it, you know, whatever. But it's actually a 2600 with Missile Command. Mm. So, yeah, that's nice. Okay, this is... Tech Tips. 
a quickie one. This is a quickie tech tip that I did at the Chris Parsons Meet, the CMP Meet, a little while ago. His Electrocoin MIDI cab, which is really, really nice looking cabinet, really neat cab. As ha he had a serviced monitor from the brilliant Gunblade on UK VAC, uh, who's a monitor guru. So shouts for Grant for doing so well with our monitors. It looked terrible though. So remember that. Yes. Uh, there's a disclaimer on this. We find out after a bit of investigating that Gunblade had in no way anything to do with the screen's poor display. So, the game in the cab was a bootleg PCB of Bubble Bubble. The screen obviously had no blue colour when we saw it on screen and a terrible ghosting and general fuzziness. It also had a visible bend or curl at the top of the screen. So Eric, Mr Banana, Davo and I immediately thought that the blue transistor on the neckboard of the monitor was toast. Because that's usually what happens. You've got three transistors on the neckboard, red, green and blue. And if they go, you lose a colour. And uh, Chris said that sometimes he gets blue and then it deteriorates. He also said that he only gets the curl with Bubble Bowl and Bumjack PCBs because they must have a slightly different sync yeah. in, in the kilohertz. You know, very, very slight variations in it, which makes the problem. So I remember a fix I did on one of my Hansrax monitors. Um, I joined the video ground from the monitor to the jammer harness with the main ground on the harness. Luckily, Eric brought some soldering equipment with him. Ho-hum. I assumed my usual meat position in the back of a cab. I sold it on the joiner wire from the video ground to the main ground. Ghosting and general shoddiness of the screen was solved. Another pain for me. So you remember, this has got nothing to do with the chassis of the monitor, which went away to Gunblade to be fixed. It was actually the wires attached to it in the cabinet that was the problem. So I just yes. sold a little ground wire on, solved the problem. I've done it on one of mine. So we tried to adjust the curl out of the top, and I remember that these Wells Garner's K7000 monitors, a very common monitor, are notorious for this. I also remember that I also cured this on my Pacmania, which has got the same monitor in. The sync wires are joined on pin 9 and 10 together, which gives, I think, a horizontal and a vertical composite, composite signal. I can't remember, but you join the two together to make it. I pulled off pin 10, but it made the monitor worse. So what I did is pushed it back in again, plugged it back in and left it because it was still okay. Next was the blue problem. It wasn't that silly transistor, which it usually is if you lose a colour. Because what you do, the, the usual rule of thumb is when you've lost a colour, is you, you turn off, everything off and discharge and make it all safe. You unsolder, or sometimes they just slot it in. You unsolder the, the transistor you think's the problem and you swap it with another one that you know works. So when you turn yeah. the machine back on, you then lose that colour. So say you've pinched the red one to put in blue, and you put the blue one back in red, you won't have blue missing anymore, you'll have red missing. So that proves that transistor's broken. And you can go and buy another one for like a pound fifty, and that'll fix your monitor. That's the way you do it normally when the transistor's gone. That's yeah. a simple, simple fix that, if it's that. So I was looking in the back of the cab at pin 9 and 10 of the monitor plug, and I noticed something that smacked me in the chops. Oof! A trout. No. Oh. I called Eric over with the light and said, can you see a fault here? Which he immediately saw the problem that I was pointing out. The blue feed wire from the jammer harness to the monitor had unpoked itself from the plug. Right. Oof! It just fell out. Because they're clipped in with the plastic plug. The little wires go into them. I've got these little sort of clippy things. When you clip them, they sort of stick in there. They've got like a little barb. And they stay in. Mm, but what happened? Yeah. The barb had been pushed out and the blue had actually come out. 
and it, it almost snapped itself off from use. So I resoldered it back onto the, the clip, shoved it back in, turned it back on again, and it was fine. A quick solder back onto the and shoved it in, and we had number two. Almost Ping perfect City. picture. There was still that slight annoying curl though. It was, it was perfect, and Chris was really happy with it. He said it's actually playable now because it looked terrible before, and he sort of was happy with it. And I was like, mm, not you know what I'm like with that sort of thing. I get a bit OCD about it. As I was driving home that night, I got thinking about that. I remembered it should be pin nine removed, not pin ten, because they joined these two. So I'll have to go back again when I'm in the area and quickly do it for Chris, for my own state of mind more than anything. Uh, thanks to Ian Ski, who originally alerted me to this when he sorted his Phoenix monitor curl out, which had the same monitor in it. And I also have in, in bold print on our notes, edit. I went around there yesterday, which I did. I had a chore in Reading to do anyway, and sorted the wire issue. It made it a lot better. Sorted the curl pretty much. So, young Sean, the moral of this story is don't yes. assume stuff and go through all the stages of what you were looking at. The line from the jammer harness to the monitor, which is the main feed before you even get to faults on the actual monitor, especially as you know that a trusted monitor expert has gone through the chassis already. Our main fault was a plug inside the cab that the monitor repairer wouldn't have had access to. Mm. So it was a, it's a cabinet fault, not a repaired monitor fault. So look at obvious things first. Don't just assume stuff like we did. Right. Are you ready for a bit of... Raise your hands in the air like you just don't care and do a bit of music. Go on, see if okay. I can get any of them. On to... La la la, it's music quiz time. Well, this is our music quiz. I have some music I've sent myself on my phone. I'm going to shove it near the speaker, and Sean is going to try and guess what it is. Right, number one... Yeah. That's an easy one. Come on. Is it Bagman? Yes! Whoa! Number two. One out of five so far. Now, certain people I know would know that one. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard it. I must have heard it. Well, we give, us, would... give us a clue. The cabinet has sat in my garage once. Sat in your garage. Should we go on to the next one? You can have a. You can really yeah. listen. We'll go back at the end of the podcast before we leave, as usual. We'll go over them with the ones you didn't get, and I'll let you have another try. Well, this one's a dead easy. If you don't get this one, you're getting a smack. <laughs> Moon Patrol. Well done. Two out of five so far. Uh, this one. That sounds What's like that? a VFD game, doesn't it? But it's not. What it's is a it? What is game. it? I'm not telling you. You've got to guess. Silly. Oh, bum. Go on. It's number four. Uh, it's still on two out of five so far. And this is number five. Robotron. This week in Robotron. Oh, God. I've, I've... It's Joust. It's Joust, is it? Yeah. Robotron. It was Robotron. You got it wrong. <laughs> it's Robotron, so yeah. I nicked another one of the Pie Factory's things then. <laughs> I keep nicking their... Sorry, lads. I keep nicking their uh, samples. We will go back to that 
How many did you get? Two out of five. Four. Got four. No, you didn't, you liar. You didn't get two right. We should go back at the end and review your score, and you can. I, have said, a talk I to said Robotron. I did say Robotron. I'll let you have Robotron because that okay. one's difficult because the, the first startup sound they use for a lot of Williams games. You got to sort of listen in for the when they're moving around to get that one. Mm. But yeah, it's Robotron. Okay. Oh, not not, too, not as bad as last time. Well, you got a chance at the end to do that one. It's quite an easy one. Well, maybe not for you. So, I'll let you get on with... Featured Game Review. Metal Slug. This game, Mental Slug X, or even Metal Slug X, from SNK 1999. It's an eight-way stick for movement and three buttons, fire, jump, and grenade. It runs on Neo Geo MVS hardware, and it's a remake of Metal Slug 2. Yes. And it addresses some of the slowdown issues that Metal Slug 2 had, and it also adds more enemies, more weapons, and different enemy and boss configurations, and it's generally thought of to be harder than Metal Slug 2. I, I I found this game to be difficult as well. Mm. The gameplay, this is your traditional run-and-gun game in the style of, say, Contra or Green Bertie. Yep. You start by picking one of four characters. do not make any difference, I don't think. And then you make your way across several landscapes shooting army-type guys and vehicles. I have no idea what the backstory to this game is. Who cares? I like the start of this. When you choose your one of four characters... You've got two girls and two guys you can you can choose one of. And they've got sort of a, a little image of them. When you choose the, the, the character, it sort of it rolls up and they, they do a different they do a different pose, their their face changes. So suddenly mm. they, they narrow their eyes. One of them's little snot balloon comes out of his nose. Yeah, <laughs> I quite yeah. like that one. Another one is glasses. <laughs> yeah. I think her glasses break when they when you choose them. I like these little bits they've put into it. It's quite fun. Full of great stuff, this. Your initial weapons are a pistol with unlimited ammo and ten grenades. Power-ups can be gained by rescuing POWs. You say rescuing, basically you touch them, and they say, thank you, and then give you something. Thank you. All the powered-up weapons have limited ammo, and you can tell what ammo you've got by the arms count counter at the top of the screen. The weapons are heavy machine gun, flame shot, super grenade, drop shot, shotgun, laser, rocket launcher, or rocket launcher, as it is called on the internet. Rocket launcher. Enemy Chaser, Iron Lizard. Can I do these a minute? I've got to do these. Go on. I've got to do these in the in the because the voice of the guy when you pick these up it makes it someone says the shape and I love how it. I've always loved this. It goes heavy machine gun, flame shot, super grenade, drop shot, shotgun, laser, rocket launcher, enemy chaser, iron lizard. I just love the voice. It's so, especially the launcher, rocket launcher. It's awesome. Launcher. What do, why would I want a rocket launcher? You want a launcher. That's what you want. <laughs> All of the weapons are useful. There are no duds here. Um, actually, I've changed my mind. I don't like the drop shot. The okay. grenades can also be powered up and topped up at various points during the game. The game features many, many, many mid-level bosses to deal with and a big end-of-level boss at the end of every level. That's what it's called. An end, end of, of level. D-O-L. 
AOL. Yeah, you love I, your acronyms, you. I do. I love my acronyms. There are four vehicles that, which are the metal slugs of the title, that once found can be driven and used for their extra firepower and protection. They have a health gauge though, so jump out of them before they blow up by pressing jump and fire together. Yes. Or wise you words. Get, or you get blown up. You can also launch the thing by doing that, can't you? When when you want to get rid of the thing, you can launch it and it fires off and it'll use it as a weapon as well. I didn't think of that. Yeah. I've done that, yeah. Hmm. So the four ones are the actual metal slug, which is a tank, the slug noid, which is like a tank, but it's it's like an attack. It's, it's like a mech jumps. suit, isn't it? You sit in it. Yeah. Like a mech suit. Slug flyer, which is like a Harrier jump jet, Ooh. and the camel slug, my favourite, which is just a camel with Vulcan cannons on his back. Yes. <laughs> Spitty camel. I bet old Jeff Minter likes that one. That's it, basically, the gameplay. Run left to right, shoot everything, collect points and weapons along the way. A couple of other things are worth mentioning, though. The control scheme, which I found strange at first, but soon appreciated it. When you're not in a vehicle, you can't shoot diagonally. You can only shoot up, down, left or right. You can kind of strafe diagonally as you're shooting from left to up. Yeah, and you can also jump and shoot at the same time. So you can shoot above you in a straight line. Yeah, this actually works really well when you're facing bad guys from above. You can run around the bottom of the screen shooting upwards all the time, almost like a space invaders kind of thing. Yeah. Also, you do not die when hitting an enemy soldier. You could you can melee them up close with a knife or fork or fork as a fork and when you turn into the fat guy. Oh on right, s- I see. I didn't know. On that. some levels, a boxing glove comes out of your backpack and you punch the guys. I've not seen that either. It's it's actually this game is really, really popular with kids. I mean, you put you put this on free play with kids and they just play all day on it. But it is super violent, isn't it? It's super, super violent. But there's no blood and guts in it. It's all sort of white. And the guys, the animation, they're in they die. And you get you get your knife out and you just slash them up. You slash them up right up. There slice is a, them up. There is a blood setting. Oh, is there? In the dips, you can switch it on, yeah. Oh, I never had that on. So, yeah, it's good for mm. the kids if you haven't got it on. But it's... It's it's super violent, but it's pixely. So I'm letting it get away with it. Yeah, it's, so it's full fun. of character. Yeah. Oh yeah, God yeah. You've got six missions. Mission one is an Egyptian town. Mission two is inside an Egyptian tomb with suitable music and graphics. Yeah. Mission three is on a steam train. I think it's in America. Mission four is a Japanese town. Mission five is an American city street, and then you go into a train tunnel, and then. You get attacked by aliens. There's, there's like an alien twist in this game. Yeah, they people... sort of you're going against these bad guys. And I think in the other Metal Slug game, they're actually a, a, like a, a force of evil. A force of evil. They're like evil. Um, a, a, I don't know. They're like a sort of um, an opponent, I suppose. There's the, the majors and the generals, all these little soldiers. But at the end, you're saying that the army guys who you're normally fighting against, they join forces with you and you start shooting the aliens. Yeah, they like wave you fun. over and you can't kill the guys anymore. Oh, right, I see. And, and you're, you're working together. It's like ice base, the last mission six, to, to kill the big alien spaceship at the end. Cool. There is some slowdown at points, but it's nowhere near as bad as Metal Slug 2. There is a lot going on in this game, isn't there? Neo Geo hardware was good 16-bit hardware, which handled all sorts of things. But there is so much going on and so much animation and, and bullets flying around and character sprites. It, it's got to slow down at some point because it is mad, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Play tips and secrets. 
The most obvious one is to rescue all the POWs on a level and don't die. And then yes. you get a big bonus at the end. So if you get, I think you can get 15 on the first level, yeah. you get 150,000 wow. plus 100,000 bonus plus other bonuses. Yeah. But POWs can be hidden all over the place. The, one example of this is the start of Mission 2. Yeah. You start on Mission 2, you, maybe still, you're still on your cam, I'll explain that. You can finish a level and start the next level on whatever slug, slug whatever slug you were seated in or on. Mm-hmm. So you start level two, there's this sort of cave entrance with a load of dynamite in. It's, like a, a, it's like an Acme comedy barrel full of dynamite, TNT yeah. on the side of it. You blow that up and then it sort of it goes into like a cutscene where the guy runs into the into the cave. Yes. But if you don't blow it up, Immediately, if st- yeah. If you stand on top of it and then jump and throw grenades over the top of this cave entrance, you get three POWs come out. And you yeah, because when when you hit the, the the explosion and you get the cutscene, you see the POWs come in, but you can't do anything about it because you're controlled. You, you're yeah. sort of taken into the thing, and you can't go and get them. And that's potential thirty thousand points there at the end. Mm. You yeah. got you got to keep hold of your POWs. If you get killed, you lose the POWs you've been been getting. Which is a massive pain for me. Yeah, if, if we're playing for points like we are, you, you, I was sort of if I didn't get all the POWs on the first level, yeah. I was quitting and starting again. Mm, yeah, and then yeah, that I did that on the, and then I did that on the second level. Oh, so I was making sure I had maximum points before I started the first level. So you yeah. can imagine how many times I played the first two levels. Mm-hmm. This game is full of secrets. It's possible to get 940,000 on the first level alone. Blimey, there are, Charlie. There are bonuses hidden in many of the background objects, so shoot everything. Yep. They don't always give you the same amount of points, though. Yeah, sometimes the, they're in the hundreds, and sometimes they're in the multiple thousands, aren't they? Yeah, there must be a way to trigger the maximum points, because mm, no nothing idea. else in the game seems random apart from this point. Yeah. You, you know when you start, the very start of level one? The sign. If you go left and shoot the sign, you get points. But sometimes it, you get... A little animal comes out. I think a snake comes out of it, a frog maybe sometimes, and you get a couple of hundred points for it. And then later on, when you find you find like a fish or a monkey, and you find all sorts of weird stuff in it. A baby turns up at one point. It's really odd. And when you touch them, you get big points. And then you also get stuff like jewels, like little red and blue and yellow jewels. And the, the points are really arbitrary. Sometimes they're... 100, 300, 500, sometimes they're 30,000 points, 50,000 points. Yeah, they're, really hid, they're hidden all over the place. Yes, they are. When you get you get to a place and there's three like kind of like Egyptian-style towers and rockets are coming out of these towers and you have to blow all three towers up to move on. Yes. That's and in, on the left-hand one, Yeah. when you've done it, before you move on, if you jump up and shoot down at the door... Uh, 30,000 is it 30,000 jewel appears there yeah you can get, you get that. that so I did work that one out and got that as well but you if you if you're too over, far over to the right and you've scrolled that bit off the screen you can't get it so try yeah. and finish the last rocket tower in the middle or the left hand side my little tip there there's also the helicopters you know about the, the helicopters yes there's a, there's a, I think it's a troop of six helicopters trying to shoot you and the yeah. first one is red for a reason if you just shoot the first one, all the others blow up. It's like a remote helicopter chain. And you get like multiple 10,000, 20,000, 30,000. You end up with about 200,000 points just for killing that mid-level boss yeah. in the right order. So get the red one first. Just get the red one, that's it. Leave the others. 
we have a YouTube video showing all the secrets. Well, I say all the secrets. A lot of the secrets. Probably more, yeah. There's loads, loads of this game. As with all non-random games like this, learn the levels. Find your best tactics for beating mid-level bosses and end-of-level bosses. No, I'm not very good at that. (laughs) There is also a time limit to each part of the level, but it just seems very generous. I never came even near to running out of time, did you? I didn't even look at the time. It was that bothersome. I didn't even look at it, to be honest with you forgot all about it and here's a little tip well kind of a tip from mr mark mosquito that's what he's called mark yeah, mosquito it's a, it's a mosquito mosquito if you use the Rizula unibios which whatever. i used to have in right. shall i explain this for the listeners i don't know what it is go on um, on a neo geo um, motherboard it's a motherboard you put cartridges into you get one slot two slot four slot and six slots and there's different versions of the one slot yeah. what you do is there's a bios on it a chip which you can replace, and someone called Razula made a universal BIOS for it, and you can change loads of things in it. You can stop the game mid-game and change things, give yourself cheats and extra lives, and you can do different things like turning the dip switches on and off, and there's loads and loads of things you can do with this Razula Unibios. It's very handy to have. So oh. there you go. And it's put, well, if if you use this, you can go into debug mode and see every hidden secret in the game, which is very useful. Oh, that is interesting, isn't it? It's saying, from memory, enabling de- debug mode with a unibias puts a small square around every shootable secret in the game. Oh, I didn't know about that. That is interesting. You could just go and get millions of points, couldn't you, doing that? Yeah, it says you can use that in MAME as well, he thinks. Wow. Debug mode in Metal Slug 3 allows you to play levels that were not even in the game. Oh, that is interesting. Oh! We could do it... Well, we'll leave it a while, obviously. We don't do another Metal Slug game too soon. But we could actually do a Metal Slug 3 in the future with all those extra levels turned on. Mm. I've got a feeling you might be able to skip levels with the Razula. We can just do maybe one level as a a point bonus level or something. Do something a bit different. Yeah, I think Metal Slug... This one and Metal Slug 3 are kind of regarded on the internet as the best two. Yeah, yeah, I think so as well. Mm. Graphics and sound, what did you think, Vic? Absolutely amazing. Uh, yeah. The graphics and sound on this, um, outstanding. It's the some of the best pixel art graphics and animation I've ever seen in a game. Uh, exploding mummy dogs rolling over after being hit is a highlight for me. Uh, and you're also saying here the rope bridge on Mission 6. Tell me about that. I don't know if I've seen that one yet. It's like a... It, undulating rope bridge it almost looks like waves on the sea that's amazing oh wow but there's the animation in this as i said earlier there's so much of it you must have about i don't know 20 moving objects on screen at once if not more and then you've got explosions and bad guys and static objects and secrets and it's just really really good and the pixel art is amazing and people like the sky cursor guys griffin aerotech they've actually used this as the graphics as sort of a basis of how they've done it because Chris Cruz, who's the artist in the game, actually draws them all out by hand as pixel art. And all yeah. the all the this frames of animation as well. He doesn't use a computer to animate, he draws them out separately and then animates them. And that's what they used to do back then. So this game and the music is just so what's this like real grinding guitars at the first level, it just really gets you into it. And obviously massive explosions and the, the little guys you hit squeal and stuff when you kill them and it's just a really, really cool game. It's just so well done. This is like the pinnacle of arcade games, I think, for me. Because the, yeah. the, the, it still looks like a video game because it's got pixels in it. And it's just 
the best you can get. And after that, it sort of went a bit too good for me, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's great. just fantastic great. pixel art. Yeah, loads of humorous touches. The game is full of character and color. Even the vehicles lurch about like in in a comedic way, kind of thing. They don't just roll towards you; they like wobble and. Yeah, they do. They're sort of really comedy-looking things, like bendy. And the music is very fitting for each level. Uh, Over-the-top voice acting, it really is. It's brilliant, though. But there's not real voice acting. It's just sort of them shouting at you and screaming and stuff. And you can, when you set them on fire, they go, ah! and they die and stuff, which is great. You look, yeah, you, some of the guys, you surprise them, and they look surprised and run and off. They run and off. It's I, full of great I'll stuff. I'll just put at the bottom of this, Rocket Launcher. Launcher. I love that. I don't know where the heck uh, the Japanese programmers got Launcher from, but they, it's just awesome. I love it. <laughs> so, so, shall we look at the scores? Okay, let's do some scores. There's some flipping good scores in here. We've had loads of players, perhaps because it's been a month and not two weeks. Yeah, maybe. We've had t- 25 players. Wow, is that the best so far? Is that the, the most we've had? I think we've had that somewhat like that before, but it's it's up there. You must have a spreadsheet, surely. Do you want me? Yeah, I could do an a- analysis. I shouldn't, right, I shouldn't here we encourage go. you, should I? I'll hack a spreadsheet. I'll do them. I use too many at work. I shouldn't do them on my days off, should I? No. Right, we've got Giggity, 100,000. <laughs> Ed, Ed the horse, Edward, he is a horse, 383,000. Mick Orwell, 424. Mr. Troll Nads had a quick go, 433. He's been poorly, leave the poor lad alone. Poor lad, get well soon, get Troll Nads. Get well soon, Nads. Troll Nads. Stacey King, 442. Connor Malloy, new player, thank you, 512,000. Carl Parry, another new player, thank you, 597,000. Mark Happy Dude, 627,000. Lewis Batcave, with little Lewis Batcave in his left hand. He was playing this one-handed. Wow, 641,000. Well Victor Marland, hello. Hello. 840,000. Ross Ross, 916. Stuart Time Warp is the first millionaire. Here we million, go. Here we go. A million and 32,000. Charlie Farr, a million and 45. This is not one he likes. I think he just had a quick game. Still good. Neil, 20 to 5. It is 20 to 5 in Neil land. 1,109,000. Paul McCaskey, 1,166,000. Ian Cullen, 1,182,000. Chris Moonbeck, Mooncrested Bootleg, I chat with him the other week, 1,424,000. Greg Pell, 1,645,000. Zippers put a good score in, 1,689,000. Phil V85, welcome back to the high scores, Phil, 1,771,000. In, in, let me just check, in fourth place is me. Two millionaires. 2,105,000. I tried so hard to beat the guy in third, but I just well, couldn't. Well done. In third, we have Mr. Tagster, 2,351,000. I got quite close. He had 2.1 million last night, and now this morning he's got 2.3. He's, get, he's getting, that Mr. Tagster, he's getting a bit too good for my liking. He is getting good. Tagster, stop. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> And and we have this guy Zach, who's a mate of Cine Steve, so he's now known as Zach, mate of Cine Steve. That's his name. Two million six hundred and sixty-two thousand. Ooh, good score. And in first place, runaway with, first place with a one cc is Mr. Mark Mosquito, with three million Ooh. three hundred and seventy thousand four hundred and ninety, which is a one cc. And he is great. If you look at his YouTube channel, he's great at these kind of games. He's one CC'd, Ghouls and Ghosts. Ooh. 
Wardner. Vigilante, which is is a really hard one. Strider, Robocop, Toki, Sunset Riders, Final Fight, which is the last time he put a score into us. He won CC'd that then. Wow. Those type of games, Splatterhouse. Oh, Killer Instinct as well, Mortal Kombat 2. God. So he's a great player. Well done, Mr. Mosquito. Excellent stuff. So, I have, oh, I'm going to update the 10 pence high score league table. I think. I'm pretty low up. down on that, aren't I? I'm not sure. I think Tagster will be number one now. But I'll, I will update it for the next podcast and put a link in and you can have a look on that. I think okay. Tagster will be one and I'll be two, but I'm not entirely sure. Mm, okay. So we're talking about cabinet art. Um, there were kits, because there were cartridges that went into a Neo Geo motherboard. There were kits. I think you got the cartridge, a move slip, and a little tiny, which is about a sort of six, seven inch by five inch little marquee and it used to go in a little slot on the top of the, the Neo Geo machine because a lot of them were four slots and you put yeah. like four little marquees in they're quite nice little things just tell you they sort of explain what the buttons do and that they're fairly simple but it's a kit on a Neo Geo machine so there's no real art fortunately Flyer's nice yeah Flyer's lovely Flyer's really mm. cool there's a, there's a UK one and a Euro one so have a look at those on the show notes so I've put them both on there some trivia for the game I've just got two links here. One is that great site, TCRF, the cutting room floor. Yes. Which has got lots of little bit, little juicy bits about Metal Slug X. Mm. And also... Metalslug.wiki. I think I've put that on the oh, show yeah. notes as well. Tells you all about the different Metal Slugs as well, which is very interesting because there's loads of them. And Tagster has sent us a link, well, a little picture actually, of some cool Metal Slug capsule toys. There's even a camel with a machine gun, not something you see often. Well, you say that. He sent us a picture on Twitter of some camels, and you said you need to fit them with some cannons. Vulcan cannons, yeah. Vulcan those cannons camels. on a camel. <laughs> those, caramel. Those, I like to call them caramels. Those caramels do not look like nice without Vulcan cannons on them. Absolutely. Ports, sequels, and oh legacy. Oh, my Lord. You're not going to read all these out, are you? There's hundreds of them. No, you've got the main series. Yeah, on which Neo is metal, Geo hardware, yeah, and then which onto... A Thomas Wave hardware. So there were seven arcade games, if you count Metal Slug 1 to 6 and Metal Slug X. Yes. Then you've got Metal Slug 7, also re-released as Metal Slug XX on consoles. Mm-hmm. You've got spin-offs, Metal Slug First Mission, Second Commission, Metal Slug Advance and Game Boy Advance, etc. So loads of mobile games. There's a good one on the Neo Geo Pocket. That's number one and two. They were really mm-hmm. cool little games. I had one of those. Really nice. Oh, Metal Slug up. First Mission was that? Yes. Neo Geo Pi? Really good look. You can emulate that on the Pi. Oh, if you want to look at that, it's a really good little game. Loads of mobile games. The latest ones: Metal Slug Defense and Metal Slug Attack, uh, tower defense type games. I think. Okay. Pachinko machines. I think I saw some of these in, in Japan actually when I was over there years ago. I remember seeing some of those. And loads of compilations. Of course. There's, so yeah, so there's loads of stuff. Loads of stuff out for Metal Slug. Overall thought, I think, and improvements, I think it's all or nothing with a POW bonus. How about yeah. losing half or a quarter of your POWs used when you die? So so there's still some kind of bonus at the end of the level instead of all or nothing. Yeah. This led me to quit a game every time I didn't finish level one and then level two with all or most of the hostages. So I've played this so much. In fact, I think it's a fantastic game. Do you know what? Just before you go on to the rest of it, that bit killed me on this game. 
I didn't mm-hmm. play it anywhere near as much as you. You were really getting into this. I I thought to start with, oh, this is just a coin munching game, boring. It'll be. I know they're good games because everyone knows the Metal Slug games are great and they're really popular with kids and they've got a really good history and they're great and everything and all that stuff we talked about earlier. But to me, they were always just, you know, it's a kid's game, you know, just munch through the quarters or play it on free play and just do the game. We played it at Time Warp together. I thought, well, let's have a go. And we got competitive immediately. When you play mm-hmm. it properly with one credit, one credit only like we do, you've got to be careful not to kill you because normally you just wage through it and just kill your guy and just keep putting the, just keep hitting the continue button and just keep going. And it's not much fun. When you play it properly, it gets better. But then, like you just said, if you don't finish level with all the POWs, you don't get the massive bonus. And you're mm. sort of behind for the next level. And you need to sort of get all the bonuses. And what you said about just losing a few, maybe half of your hostages, would be a great idea. You just, you just lose all of them. And you get to the end of the level and you're like on about, what, 200,000 points? When you could be on yeah. nine hundred thousand points or whatever, and you think I might as well start again because yeah, but it takes we're... it takes quite a few minutes to do the level, and it's annoying when you get killed. It, it, maybe if you had a health bar, even might help. Yeah, you know, maybe turn the difficulty up just a little tiny notch, and then give you a health bar. Maybe I don't know, because you sort of get a health bar later on when you get um, turned into a mummy on the second level when they spit the mummy stuff at you, and you get turned into a mummy. You get a second chance. If you get hit with that, you turn into a mummy, you're really slow and you can hardly move very quickly and then you've got to wait for a potion to get back to normal. Same as when you're made into the fat guy. Yeah. You've got sort of an extra chance there. But when you get hit again, you die, obviously. So that's quite a good little twist into it. You sort of get a, an extra chance with that. But that killed it to me. When I kept up to sort of wait, rage quit because I got killed at a stupid point at the end and restart and I just got bored of that same level over over and over again this might yeah. help using the, the the fated save game states just to practice a level maybe mm, yeah so that sort of killed it me and i didn't play as much as i wanted to because i got so bored of that flipping first level it's really good it looks lovely sounds lovely but it just killed it for me doing the same thing over and over again and then it just ruining it for you when you get hit at the end you, you know it's bad enough you've lost a life but you lose all your bonuses as well. And that is a real massive pain in the backside for me on that one. Yeah, and you get no extra lives as well, which is... which is. Oh, really? Kind of t- it's not even at a score, like a million, don't get an extra life? I don't think you do, no. Ooh. I don't think there's anything. Can, I, but, can you pick up extra life? I'm sure I saw an extra life icon at one point. Oh. I think the hostages. I could be wrong on that, but I'm sure I picked up an extra life hostage. It's a little, a little figure of yourself. Oh, I don't think I saw that. I might be. <laughs> but it's a fantastic game. It's, I want to check out the others now because I've never Absolutely. really played the Metal Slugs. Playing I, them properly I, as well, like we have, that'd be a good idea. I reckon if I didn't concentrate so much on perfecting level one, two, and then trying to perfect level three, which I did once, I think. I think wow. I got the big well bonus once. That was me two million. Yeah. I think I would have gone. I think I might have done level four as well, you know, mission four. Instead of playing so much of the early part of the game. Competitively, yeah, just to try and finish the game rather than get points. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I might do that. But it gets really, really difficult because I played through it on, you know, just endless lives. Yeah. And and so there's some really tough bits later on. I bet there is. I've actually, I think I've completed it all the way through before just by, you know, just ploughing through it with the continues. But it was a long time ago. And that's sort of why... I got a bit bored of the Metal Slug games because 
they all seem the same when you do that. When you play them properly, they are really, really good. And I can see everyone's appeal to these games. I agree with yeah. them totally. But just full of full of humour, some of the best oh, really silly stuff I've really ever cool. seen. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Really, really good. Oh, yeah. Playing with a two player might be fun as well. We should have played two player at time warp, shouldn't we? Yeah. Darn it. We'll have to do that next time we're at a, a, well, when you come down, play it on my main cab or something. Mm. I've got a well, I think I've got a two player panel. Mm. I'll have to look into that. Yeah, so absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, it'd be great. Yep. I just got a bit miffed doing that first bit over and over again competitively. I think it might be better just to try and do the levels and not worry about the bonuses so much and just see how far you get. But that's a totally different yeah. kind of game then, isn't it? Yeah, just play through it. Even just crediting through it with a mate and a few beers would be a great laugh. Yes, they are very good. And kids absolutely love it. Absolutely love this game. Okay. That's that one put into bed then. Home computer and console arcade ports. So, this is a game I played the other night. I downloaded this for free onto a Windows platform. Uh, DK Advanced. Donkey Kong Advanced. Have you played this yet? No. You might not like this because you're not too keen on Donkey Kong, are you? It's all right. It's not great. Well, this is amped up to 12 in the difficulty <laughs> level. Uh, the download is less than one megabyte. It's just for Windows. It's not... Um, it's a newly made game, not a ROM hack, or using arcade hardware like DK Extra, is it called? And oh, a DK D2K, yeah. which you can buy. I need to get hold of that for my, my um, arcade hardware, actually. It is, however, made for putting into main cabs. The, the actual programmer wants people to put them in a main cab and send him pictures for his website. So he's really into people putting into an arcade machine. Although joysticks aren't supported, you can change the keys and use external software such as Joy to Key or X Padder to transfer the joysticks. And obviously you can use um, an iPad or whatever as well. Yeah. Same thing into a main cap. So level one on this game, it's it's very like Donkey Kong, but he's sort of mixed in elements of Mario Super Mario Brothers and Donkey Kong Jr. as well. So it's quite clever how he's he's merged the three games together. So level one uses graphics from Super Mario World, like the Goombas and the Shell Creepers, or are they Koopa Troopers? I can't remember. The, the, the guy, the little tortoise guys, you can hit and they go mm. into, their, into their shells. You can stomp on the tortoise things, but on this game, they come back again. They're only stunned for a little bit and then they come back. Uh, you even have the snappy plants poking out the pipes to get you. Uh, you need to get across a series of islands, climb a vine, pull a switch, then go back to the way you came. And on this game, a... a against Donkey Kong, you can actually jump from mad heights. You can jump from the top of the screen down. And as long as you don't land on an enemy, you won't get killed or land in the sea or whatever. You won't get killed. Mm. Uh, so you can drop from... On Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr., you can't drop from anything higher than your own character. Otherwise, you'll die. Uh, you can now gain access to another switch when you're up there, which in turn turns off another deadly force field. So you can then get to the top of the screen to flop down a pipe. But if you get the heart first... You jump off the end onto the right. Uh, you get 2,000 point bonus, but try not to land on one of the spiky turtles. And then you've got to go back again to get down the pipe. When you get down the pipe, that's a level done. So level two, this is a good old girder level. Uh, but a key is required to save Pauline, or the lady, whoever's got caught herself in a cage. Obviously the key is behind a force field, which needs to turn off halfway up the girders. So you go halfway up the girders, turn it off, and come back again for the key, then go back to the top, to uh, do that, this game has got a lot of toing and froing and going up and coming back onto yourself to, to get the levels done. Level three is a remake of the Springs level. 
but with three sets of moving elevators rather than two. And there's more force fields, keys, and hearts are thrown in to slow you down. The barrels actually flop about on the elevators too. They actually ride the elevators, so you've got to be careful not to get hit right. on an elevator, <laughs> which is hard. Uh, more force fields, and there's a key here too. Uh, toing and froing on this level again, jumping backwards and forwards to get bits. And the final level, level four, is the rivets level, like the original game, where you knock him on his head. But this time it's got wobbly, deadly icicles, rather like from Ice Climber, another Nintendo game that I don't like. Yeah. Uh, the floor is slippery now too, which is a real annoyance. It's a pet hate in any game for me, is inertia. But this programmer is really clever. He has given you a solution to this. If you get an icon which looks like a little boot, you put your boots yeah. on and you not, you're not slipping around anymore in the ice. You're sort of grippy to the ice, which I think right. is a really good idea. Also, when you go near the icicles, they wobble first and then they fall. And if they hit you, they kill you, you lose a life. But you yeah. can use them to kill enemies off. Rather like when you drop the fruit in Donkey Kong Jr. That is a you're genius right. bit of programming. I really like that, that part. There's some really nice picture scenes in between levels, little sort of drawn pictures. Uh, the hardest level is turned up to 12, which is unfortunate. Uh, I can imagine the kill screen level of players on Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. would really like this. I haven't checked the Donkey Kong forums for a long time, but I'm sure these guys are talking about it, um, which is a major part of doing well in Donkey Kong, You know, having to control barrels. And you can control barrels on this game as well, I think from the offset. Because right. I saw someone playing it, I was watching them playing it. I didn't. I had a few goes myself when I was writing this review. I was just watching a video of it, and I have to go back to. Yeah, I've got it on my my PC, which is in this room with me now, and it is a really it's a really colourful game, just like the old Donkey Kong games. It is absolutely amazing. And at the end of that video I watched, there's also a Donkey Kong Junior remix coming, which I'm looking forward to as well. Right. I think it's the same developer, which is really cool. Hmm. Very nice. Would you like to tell the listeners about next show's game? Yes, this game has been chosen by listener Mr. Chris Parsons, CMP. Is that right? He told me yesterday he'd like this game. So, Chris, right. your wish is our command. Ding! New Zealand story from Taito, 1988. Super cute game. I've played it on the Amiga a long time ago. I'll have to so get to did the Amiga I, with the from a friend of mine. Extra lives, these are the settings by the way, extra lives at 70k, 200k and every 200k afterwards, that is main default settings these. Okay. Three lives, medium difficulty. Please submit your score on Twitter with hashtag 10p score or I don't see it or on Facebook as a comment on our podcast post. And pictures please, please be looking at you Ian Cullen, pictures please. The hashtag is hashtag 10p score. That's Not the word, so it's 10p score. Yeah. Yes. Okay, and we're just about to go off. But before we go off, shall we finish up the music quiz? Yes. I'll give, no, you, another, I'll give you another chance <laughs> to get the ones you didn't get. So the first one was Bagman. The second one is this. Guess away, little man. I'll give you another hint as well. The Go music on. is easily the best thing about this rubbish game. Is it Mr. Jaunty's Jaunty Trip to Jauntland? Nearly. It is. It, the game's got two names as well. Fast Freddy by Atari 
or Flyboy, right. I think, by Sun. Because Alex had the MIDI cab of it, and he kept it in my arcade next to my next to my kangaroo for a while. It's it's oh, yeah. super nice looking game, but the game is absolute crap. It's awful game. You, <laughs> I wouldn't you, have got that one. You fly a little hang glider, and if you crash into a cloud, you die. It's that rubbish. Oh, them solid clouds are kind of The other one you didn't get is this. This is a difficult one because it's not really music. See if you can do this one. You should know it. Any idea? Is it Pulsar or something like that? Nearly. A May shooter. <laughs> not a shooter. I've given you too many hints now. You've got it easy now. Nibbler. Nibbler. You, you oh, watch, you watch Charlie Farr get billions and zillions of points on it. You should have known that one. I'll switch sound off. Oh, that's probably why then. Yeah. Yes, Nibbler. So there's the five. So that was a three out of five for me, which is three better than last time, probably. The actual, the actual results were Bagman, Fast Freddy or Flyboy, Moon Patrol, Nibbler and Robotron. Okay. Okay, so thank you, Sean, for joining me on this momentous podcast again, first after a month. Uh, and what number are we on now? 82? 80 82, this one. Yeah, so when we get to 100, that's it. How cool is that? So uh, thanks for listening to us, and we'll talk to you in two weeks' time. Cheers, Sean. Yes, thank you, listeners. We'll catch you next time. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes, and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at 10 You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at 10 and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you. For game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories, or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. 